Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado talks through episode 34. And oh, my gosh, the floodgates have opened and there are many, many questions in this particular episode. So much so that I think I'm going to do the normal, hey, here's new games of interest, but I'm going to skip the top 10 recap so that there's more time for questions. Don't worry. There's a lot of game-related questions, folks who don't like the personal stuff, but not surprisingly, there's a lot of personal questions people quizzing Jen and me about our upcoming move back to the States. So, we'll be getting to that shortly, right after we talk about some new exciting games. Right after this. Okay, everybody, let's talk about some new games. As always this time of year, there's announcements coming left, right, and center. So let's jump right into it with Newton, as in Sir Isaac. This is apparently a... I wouldn't quite call it a deck builder, I guess. More like a hand builder, like Concordia. But the interesting thing is, in this game where players are scientists trying to make a name for themselves in the time of Isaac Newton and Galileo and all the rest of them... You're going to, in a given round, play all the cards in your hand or your deck plus minus one. One of the cards will not get played. And that card, I think, if I'm reading this right, isn't available to you anymore. And whatever action you chose not to do, you can't do it. But that action becomes more powerful for all the other players who still can. If I read that right... That sounds really cool. That seems like a really, really neat idea. And considering one of the designers on it is one of the co-designers from Zolk and the Mind Calendar and Voyages of Marco Polo and Lorenzo Il Magnifico, I'm very, very interested to find out more about Newton. Then we've got a game I do not know how to pronounce. Uh, Arail, A-R-R-A-I-A-L. Arail? Uh, basically, this is from the guys who did Panamax and Madeira. You know, so they are known for very, very... Santiano uh, and Soledad, if I recall correctly? I have to look it up. But they're known for big, meaty, heavy Euros. This sounds like more of a lightweight gateway family type thing. It's a... It's a, it's a game about beautifying your town for an upcoming festival. I guess it's a tile layer. Don't know much about it right now, but these guys, they know what they're doing. And considering how much we really enjoyed Castel recently, which was uh, another game set in an Iberian area where there was just bright and colorful and full of, of uh, festive life. That's kind of what I'm hoping for here. And it'll be interesting to see these guys do something a bit more lightweight than what they're known for. In I don't know how to pronounce it. I should have looked it up ahead of time. But let's move on to one I can pronounce. Carpe Diem. Seize the day. Here's all we know about it, folks. It's Steffenfeld's next big Aaliyah big box game. 
That, in and of itself right there, that is Stop the Press's big news. A new Feld is coming out this year from Aaliyah. That is a match made in heaven. Some of his best games ever came out under those circumstances. So I am very, very excited. We don't know anything. We just know the title. And we know the designer and we know the publisher. That's all I need to know. I'll be there on day one, hopefully, for Carpe Diem. Then we've got Embark. Now, this looks like it's the next game from publisher Tasty Minstrel. In this new line of kind of light, very small, almost micro, but not quite fantasy games that previously we had, what was it, Harbor and then Harvest, and now we have Embark. I don't know if they're if they're all set in the same universe, but they certainly have the same kind of graphic look, same small box. And this one is from designer Phil Duberry. Now, as I understand it, this is a simultaneous action selection game where everybody is trying to outfit their ship. And so we're all going to play cards at the same time that represent the crew we're going to hire. And then once we've done that and the ship sets sail, it embarks, then we start doing turn-based worker placement with those crew members we've got, to do the actions we need to run the ship and reach far-off lands. I don't know much more about it, but Phil Duberry is a very, very good designer. I am a little worried because there is some, a mention in the description about how if you ended up drafting or you know selecting warriors, you can use them to displace your opponent's players or cards. I don't know, but still, Phil is a very sharp designer. I will forever follow him because Spirits of the Rise Patty was so amazing. And Tasty Minstrel Games, they've got some of the best tastes in the industry. So definitely looking forward to Embark. Then we've got Gizmos. Here's the deal, folks. Phil Walker Harding can seem to do no wrong. Uh, I, Jen, I love Baron Park. Cacao is very nice, too. A lot of people really love Imhotep. And he's done a bunch of other games besides. Archaeology, the card game. And this is going to be his next game. So right off the bat, I'm interested. Because he's really on a hot streak. But I'm even more interested because it's from Simon. Cool mini or not. So this is probably going to be a Euro with more Ameritrash sensibilities in its publication. Maybe it's going to look... I, I would assume it's going to look gorgeous and stellar. Will there be minis in it? Probably not. This is going to be one of the cool mini or not or not titles. But still, I, you had me with Phil Walker Harding and then you layered in Simon. Well, now I'm really intrigued by Gizmos. Then we move on and we're going to talk about uh, Okavango. Kramer and Kiesling together again. Uh, you, I don't need to repeat myself. Uh, fans know I'm a Kramer and Kiesling fanboy. I'm always up for it. And this one is apparently set in... We are uh, animal park rangers in a Zimbabwe animal refuge trying to keep them alive during a drought. That sounds very, very cool. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how... Th I mean, their games aren't necessarily the most thematic in the world, but I'm very, very intrigued by that theme. So, um, it's high on my list. Uh, this would have been in my top 20 most anticipated of the year if they'd announced it sooner. Okavango. Then, Fleet, the dice game. This is very, very cool. Uh, we love Fleet. Fleet is a fantastic auction game, especially when you added the expansion into it, Arctic Bounty. But now, I don't know how it's going to work, but they're taking that fleet. Is it going to be a dice game that still features auctions? I don't know. Are the auctions still going to be there? I, I, I don't know, but I have to find out because fleet is so fantastic. Then we've got uh, Humanitas, which is again uh, Sentiero and Soledad. Uh, I talked about them a little bit ago. The Madeira guys, the 
Panamax guys, the Brazil guys, if that game ever comes out, I, I, I don't know. They keep on working on games. In this one, it sounds a bit more like kind of what they're known for. It's probably going to be a heavier game. We're patrons of the arts in Renaissance Europe, I guess. No specifics are really available about the gameplay. But again, Panamax and Madeira were so amazing. Got to check out uh, Humanitas. Now, let's talk about some expansions. Isle of Sky expansion number two, the second expansion. See, actually, I think they've given it a name since then. Let me see if I can find its name instead of just expansion two. Nope, it's still called expansion two, but maybe the full name for it will be Isle of Sky Dead Ends, because apparently uh, this game focuses on giving you benefits when you make dead ends. You know, I mean, because Isle of Sky is one of those rare tile layers that lets you put non-matching tiles next to each other. It ends up looking a little bit ugly, but now, apparently, we'll have a reason to do it because there are benefits for um, you know, putting together mismatched tiles. So that sounds intriguing. But also intriguing is the network's Teletime. Absolutely adore the networks and um, more content, more funny shows, more actors, more new gameplay mechanisms. Apparently, the description says something about introducing some kind of tic-tac-toe kind of element. I can't even imagine what that means, but the networks was great, so I expect more greatness. Then, Quest for Eldorado, Heroes and Demons. This is very, very exciting. Uh, Quest for Eldorado, if I recall correctly, just missed making my top 10 of last year. Absolutely phenomenal game. Reiner Knizia entering the world of deck builders. And now, Reiner Knizia entering the world of expansions. This is not something he does very often. And I was worried, uh, you know, Quest for Eldorado might not get an expansion because deck builders always want more cards. We're going to get more cards, folks. I assume the quests are going to get even more cool and more exciting in Heroes and Demons. Then, done with... or no, And then we've got Dragonfire, a corruption in Kalisham. Now, this is interesting. This is going to be, as I understand it, the first big box expansion for Dragonfire, which is a big deal, very, very important. Because it's going to allow players, for the first time, to have level 5 characters. If you know Dragonfire, you know that's a big deal. Right now, we can level all the way up to level 5, but then we can't play anymore. Uh, because there's no rules for what happens when we go beyond level 5. Corruption in Kalisham is going to be what introduces it to us. But in addition to that, I haven't added it on the list. So you're hearing it here first, folks. There's also Dragonfire Sea of Swords. I haven't added it on the list because it's not in the Board Game Geek database yet, even though I have filmed a run-through for it. And it's because they, they sent me an advanced copy, hooray, to make up for the fact that it took forever to get the regular Dragonfire stuff. And as soon as it gets added, Sea of Swords, to the database, I'll be posting that. So, heck, maybe that'll even happen today. Maybe um, you'll see my run-through before you hear this podcast. But anyway, long story short, more Dragonfire is coming. Sea of Swords is absolutely amazing. Jen, I really enjoyed it. You'll hear more once I get my run-through up. Once it accepts, I'm the one who's actually added to the database. I've been waiting days for it to appear, to get approved. But anyway... And let's see. Oh, yes, yes. More expansion news. Seven Wonders Armada. This will be the fourth of the... I believe one upon a time they promised seven expansions for Seven Wonders. So here's number four. Uh, apparently there's a video you can watch that gives a bit more information about it. I don't know if I'm that excited about this, though, because apparently the big deal is now we can um, create armadas that lets us interact with players who are not directly adjacent to our left and right, which I get it for players who are playing with big groups. That's a potentially a very, very cool introduction to the game, although I'm not excited necessarily about launching armadas to attack each other, but maybe we can launch armadas to, get, to engage in trade. That's really cool. Still... 
it's probably not going to matter much in a two-player game, which is the way Jen and I love Seven Wonders. But still, it's coming. Seven Wonders Armada. And, okay, yeah, one more expansion, which I didn't expect to hear about at all, this soon anyway. This War of Mine, Tales from the Ruined City. Of course, we can expect more harrowing and heartbreaking storytelling, probably an expansion to the app, more functionality there. There are already a lot of very interesting expansions that really change up the core gameplay. I, I, I would have thought um, enough for a lifetime, but apparently they've got more up their sleeves. So Tales from the Ruined City is definitely something I'm going to want to check out. All right, so there was a few expansions. Let's get back to actual gamey games now. What is next? Okie dokie. Oh, right. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Rice dice. Oh, well, this is a continuation. Uh, I talked a bit ago about Fleet, the dice game. Haven't played it, don't know much about it. But also, we're going to have Rice Dice, which is the dice version of Spirits of the Rice Patty. Hey, didn't I just mention Spirits of the Rice Patty last page? Designer Phil Dubarry made such a brilliant game there. The core of Spirits of the Rice Patty being that players share control of the water as they're trying to raise and lower the flood levels of their rice paddies to plant and harvest and weed and all that. Taking that core, interesting, really non-standard interactive gameplay and, and reducing it down to a dice game, that should be a very, very fun design experience to see. So, and I'm fully expecting to do a run-through of this in time for its Kickstarter launch later this year. So, we'll find out more soon. And speaking of upcoming Kickstarter launches, there's Architects of the West Kingdom. This is a new game from Shem Phillips, who has really caught on fire with his North Sea trilogy, especially, which one was it, Raiders of the North Sea, which got nominated for the uh, Spiel des Jahres last year, the Kenner Spiel. Congratulations again, Shem. It was well-deserved. It was a brilliant game. And now this is his big follow-up. Uh, it's a totally new setting. It has nothing to do with the North Sea. It's, in fact, set in... In France, before France existed, in the West Kingdom of, I forget what it's called. And it's another worker placement where Shem really shakes up the core precepts of what it means to do worker placement. Jen and I, we've already played it. We were really impressed by it, just like Raiders of the North Sea. And you'll be seeing a run-through in time for the Kickstarter later this month, uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. And I think, yeah, just one more, folks, Primus. Nothing is known. There's no description at all. Here's the deal, though. Apparently, it's some kind of Roman triumvirate game. Or maybe, maybe there is a description now. It's the final period of the Roman Republic with the expansion of Rome is uh, such that governance is becoming increasingly difficult. And among uh, the, the lords of the Republic... Uh, seeking to establish alliances. Some of them are clearer than others. You know, the, the big three, the triumvirate. Um, you know, Pompey and Caesar and Marcus Antonius, Octavius. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Uh, apparently, there's politics, there's prestige, there's shaping of provinces, there's maneuvering in the Senate. I don't, I almost don't care. You had me at the publisher. What's your game? This is, I'm assuming, going to be their big box of the year. Their games are always brilliant. I always love them. I always say they're one of my absolute favorite publishers. So, you had me at what's your game? Primus is definitely something that needs to be checked out ASAP. But I guess, I'm, I'm assuming, we probably won't be seeing that until Essen. Let's see, was that it? Let me just do one more quick scan. Oh, yep, 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 one more. And this is another one I don't know anything about. I'm just kind of listing it for... Uh, admittedly kind of shallow reasons, maybe, but I don't care. Scientia, or Scientia, or Scientia, S-C-I-E-N-T-I-A, Scientia. Apparently, 
It's a, it's a Euro-style game about practicing the scientific method to make discoveries. Apparently, uh, it has a lot to do with like rotating cards to represent progress and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't care. The art is by Vincent Dutre. There you have it, folks. Like I said, I mean, that man, uh, you know, if, 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 if there was a Vincent Dutre version of Monopoly, I'd probably have to seek it out because it would be so gorgeous. But hey, I love the theme, too. Scientific method? Uh, sign me up for Scientia. And that's it, folks. Some new games, some new expansions. And uh, now, without further ado, let's bring Jen on over, and we will start answering 50 bajillion questions right after this. Okay, everybody, it is time once again for the questions. Time once again for the answers. And as always, we'll focus on game-related stuff. And then after that's out of the way, we'll get into the personal Q&A. And not surprisingly, perhaps, there's a lot of personal questions coming this year. Or not this year, this this month. Because of what's going on this year. And we'll be getting to all that shortly. In the meantime, though, Jen is just pulling up a chair to sit down as we go through the game-related questions and answers. Although we'll see if Jen has anything to add. Alrighty. Or subtract. Or subtract. Or divide by. No multiplication? Definitely no multiplication. No, for heaven's sakes. So let's start with Dylan, who has several humble requests. Several of these are personal game-related ones. Thoughts and criticisms of Lignum, the game. I'm afraid I can't help you there, Dylan. I've never played it. It's a sad tale there, actually, because I did have a copy of the first edition. And I, for life of me now, I mean, it came out a few years ago. For life of me now, I cannot remember what it was that got it into my head that it was not going to be a particularly good fit for me and Jen after I had already picked up a copy, uh, bought a copy at Essen whenever it came out. Oh, I think, I think it might have been Mina's Fresh Cardboard. Uh, because yeah, I really respect her opinion, and she was kind of down on it as a two-player game. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So I ended up getting buyer's regret, and at that point, I was way too inundated with other games to cover, and it just kind of slipped between the cracks, and I eventually got rid of it, sadly enough. And also, I felt like, ah, they've made changes in the second edition. I don't want to play the manky old first edition now that there's been improvements and all that. So I just never circled back around. I hear it's very, very good, but I, I don't have any hands-on knowledge. And then you would also like me to rank the Splatter games and my thoughts on Splatter in general. Well, you know, they generally, for the most part, don't make Jen's and my kind of game because they tend to be long and they tend to be fiddly. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Oh, and you know they tend to be maybe a little bit more cutthroat than we care for. Really, I think the only two we have enjoyed were Antiquity and the... Oh, what was it? Zimbabwe. The Great Zimbabwe. And if I were to rank those two... Oh. Honey Pie, do you remember? I can't, she won't remember Zimbabwe, but she might remember. Remember that game that was a civilization-building game? And I, my little city over here, you had your city on the other side. And it was a bunch of hexes, tiny, tiny, tiny little hexes. And as we developed the land, we'd have to put pollution tokens down. 
And, um, you know, as we fish the, the lakes, we'd put pollution tokens down as we did anything. It's just the board just became completely covered with pollution or ravaged by mankind tokens. And it just, and meanwhile, we were building our own little city. Does that sound familiar to you? No. No? It did. There was something that sparked, but I don't remember anything that had little tiny hexes yeah. with that. Little tiny hexes, little tiny tokens. You would basically, you would put the, the, the pollution token, and then the actual token of what you want on top. So when I fished, you take the fish, and then you'd reveal the... No, no, mm. no. Right. Well, um, I was thinking if Jen would have remembered it, I'd put that at the top and then Great Zimbabwe below. But since Jen didn't remember it, I'm going to put Zimbabwe and then, what do you call it? What were we just talking about? Antiquities. And, yeah, is antiquity? Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I, I thought antiquity was really, really cool. But, yeah, so many bits, so much of a pain in the butt, and such a needlessly huge box. I mean, I got rid of it because of that box, really, more than anything <laughs> else. I, they could have developed that a different way that would have been more elegant and still had all the same great depth of gameplay. Maybe that's my thoughts on Splatter in general. I mean, they make really neat stuff, but, you know, they're... They're, you know, they're, they're very big and bombastic in the scope of what they try to do, but they don't really spend much money on those components, do they? They're really kind of cheap and chintzy looking, and they're just all about the gameplay, not about the chrome. And uh, maybe they go a little bit too far in that direction. I mean, for the most part, they're just not really a fit for us. So I guess that's all I got to say on Splatter. And we'll be back to Dylan later for his other stuff. Then let's move on to Michael, who wonders... Are there any area control games that we actually enjoy? Michael is a Care Bear like us, and his tastes often line up with ours, and his wife wants some kind of area control conflict. Any suggestions? Divorce is not an option. Huh. Well, Michael, I'm going to teach you how to fish. Here's what you do. Go to Board Game Geek. In fact, I'm going to do this right now, because honestly, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. BoardGameGeek.com. And up at the top page, click advanced search and wait patiently and then uh, filter by collection Rado. Hey, you're going to do a search of every game I own and then filter on board game mechanism although it says mechanic Arrgh! mechanism uh, area control, area influence submit and let's see Hey, look at this. It's a list of all the area control games Jen and I own. Here's a whole bunch of them and if we own them, we like them so, I would recommend any of these, like Twa or Kingdom Builder, Carson City, Tiny Epic Galaxies, Notre Dame, Lancaster, Lagranha, Ca Carcassonne the Castle, Aquasphere, Luna, Gingopolis, Rialto, Olympos, Islebound, uh, Vinos Deluxe Edition, Fjords, Merlin, Eight Minute Empire Legends, Agra, the Stouffer, the Stouffer Dynasty, Helvetia, Ohm, Adventureland, Porta Nigra, Chin, Sentient. Honey Pie. You're right. not teaching them how to fish. No, yes. You're, I, you're I, I, I taught them how to fish, but then I went and got all the fish myself. Yes. Long story short, there's a lot of them. I could easily do a top 10 on this topic and talk about why every one of these games, even though at, at their heart, they are direct player conflict. They are, oh, that's nice what you've got there. I think I'll take that for myself. And yet Jen and I still enjoy them. Um, it's weird. Several times. 
Area control top 10 has come up and the voters have rejected it every single time. I am so ready to talk about the greatness of area control. But in the meantime, Mike, you can go on ahead and do that search. You'll find a bunch of really great games. Area control does have conflict, but every one of those works for us. Next question. What are the best games, in my opinion, which involve trading and negotiation among the players? Mike, I think you know my answer. Go to Board Game Geek Advanced Search. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Can you search for negotiation or trading? Let's find out. I'm going to go right back to that advanced search. Uh, Phil, all right, still remembers me. Don't want area control. Is there a negotiation? No. Is there trade? Yes. Tell me all the trading games that are in our... Um, all right. And... Hmm, I don't know. I don't really think of those as trading games. That's a bit of a stretch. Okay. The advanced search has failed in this case, so I will use my mm. voluminous memory banks. Mm -hmm. I can think of, off the top of my head, the one trading game that works for me in Gen is Mundus Novus, which is interesting because it's a goods conversion into victory point game, trying to do set collection card type stuff. But every round, what has to happen is there is a mandatory trading phase where all players, and it goes up to a high player count, have to offer up some of the cards they've got squirreled away in their hands. And then other players are going to take turns basically taking cards from each other. So I'm going to take some cards that Jen gave up because she doesn't want them, and she'll probably take some that I want. It's a kind of an indirect trade, but it works really, really nicely. Uh, you know, because real player trade just fundamentally doesn't work in two-player because of the zero-sum nature. It's difficult for players to come to a conclusion where, yes, of course we'll engage in trade because uh, if two players successfully come out of a trade in Settlers of Catan and they both get what they want, the players who weren't involved in that trade implicitly fall behind. In a two-player game, that doesn't work. So it's going to be tricky to get a trading game, but Mundus Novus does it. It's really neat. Very clever. And what was the other thing? Negotiation. I have loved negotiation in games, but Jen doesn't particularly care about it. Uh, you know, not, not her cup of tea. There's been a few games where we've tried, and, and I, I'm trying to you know, play hardball with her and stuff like that. And she said, would, would you please stop it? I'm, I, I don't want to buy a used car from you. <laughs> and uh, so it generally doesn't work out. But the ones that I've, I, I've been most impressed by are semi-cooperative games like CO2, Archipelago. I just did a run-through the other day. I think it'll be going up very soon for Australia. These are all semi-cooperative games where we're all competing, but at some point or other, we have to work together or else everybody loses, and that generally involves some kind of negotiation. Okay, I'll go take care of the problem, but because of that, I'm not going to be able to score points this turn. So if I save us all, you're going to go on ahead and leave that other resource there, right? This is our negotiation. Mm -hmm. We found that actually works okay. Although, actually, I, I got too aggressive in Archipelago is a great game for negotiation. And that was the one where Jen said, stop being a used car salesman, <laughs> as I recall. But anyway, those are a few examples. Let's see here. And then, right, Andrew, moving right along, wonders. I was watching the 2018 collection update and wondered, how do you organize yourself? Alphabetical, designer, publisher, title. Uh, all right. Uh, basically, it's nothing too fancy. The main thing I try to do is keep the publishers together. I, I, like size boxes is filter number one. Publisher is filter number two. Designer is filter number three. Maybe subject matter. Like for a while, I had all our really light gateway-ish type games next to each other. There's no hard and fast rule, though. It's mostly what fits. 
Also, I just saw an advertisement for the Harry Potter's Miniatures game by Night Models coming to Kickstarter on March 14th. Oh, speaking about Harry Potter. Yes, honey. We're going to go move to England here fairly soon. Yes. I want to go to the Harry Potter hoo-ha thingy. Yeah? Yeah. That's just one of those things we're going to have to do. Okay. Uh, apparently, Jen is inter- <laughs> interrupting this podcast to uh, make a mental note. Yes, mental note. Everybody remind us if you know June comes along and we haven't done it yet. Okay. Uh, right. Let's see here. <laughs> Back to <laughs> Sorry to derail you. Andrew, yes. <laughs> Harry we, Potter miniatures. We are, yeah. Um, we're not typically interested in mini games, but Harry Potter makes us make think twice. Uh, if you've heard of it, what are your thoughts? I saw it. I thought, oh, that looks cool. But I have. It, it makes no sense to me to play a game where, oh, I'll be um, Hermione and Neville, and Jen can be Luna and uh, pick a more esoteric character. Um, uh, um, uh, Wood. Yeah. What's his name? Ian. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jen's supposed to be the Harry Potter expert, and she's giving me nothing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just totally blanking on. All right. Wood. We'll, we'll just go with wood. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Oh yeah. And let's have a. Let's have them all run around and fight each other. What? No. This makes no sense. So I. I as soon as I saw what it was, I, I believe it's a. It's a tactical skirmish dueling mini game, and that makes no sense to me. It's a shame. I'd love a cooperative uh, adventure game, but that's not what they created. So we will probably not be checking that out. Steven. Says, hi, everybody. Hi. If someone is going to be traveling to a city that you'll be living in, can they email you to arrange a play date with you and Jen? Well, sometimes that happens. Um, but the, I guess the more it happens, the harder it is to accommodate everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. once a month or something is absolutely fine and delightful and wonderful and we enjoy it. Um, when we start getting requests for, you know, once a week or something, then that's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit too much, Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, so it just kind of depends on what's happened recently, yep. I would say. Sorry to be so vague, but um, <laughs> I've, I've got stuff I need to do. He's got stuff he needs to do. And so we got to live our lives and, and still make things, lovely things for you guys to enjoy. Okay. There Does that you sound have right? It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as Jen says, it has definitely happened. Uh, and... I don't think it's ever been more than once a month. Oh, no. There's been a couple, a couple times, times when people, we've had like three or four had in a month. Like, we've had people back. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. And that, that gets a bit much. I mean, Jen and I, to be honest, we're kind of social recluses. I always have been my whole life. And as Jen gets older, she is yeah. turning into one. No doubt my bad influence. You rubbed off on me. So, yeah, I mean, we like people. And we do enjoy gaming with other folks. But it's, it's just... Oh, we gotta clean the place. We gotta up. clean the house, and we and... gotta make sure there's snacks because we don't really have snacks. And <laughs> um, and Jen's gotta worry about making soup for everybody, and she's like, oh. yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's like having visitors all the time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Alrighty, moving right along. Stephen says, uh, since you'll be in a place with most likely a lot more gamers available, will you play games with more than just you and Jen more often? I don't know. Maybe that's kind of getting into the personal or nah, I guess it's still game related I suppose I mean yes obviously we're moving to Seattle so there will be a lot more opportunities available I don't know how much we're going to avail ourselves of it we are it's not like we're smack dab in the center center of the Seattle we're going to be way 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 out on the outskirts yeah um you know 
And I actually looked around. You know, most of the big gaming clubs are over in Bellevue and Redmond and and yeah, um, you know the university me. district and stuff like that. Yeah, all those would still be uh, those would be so far away that would be like us trying to travel from Gozo to the mainland Malta to go gaming. So I don't think it's really going to change that much. But to a certain extent, that's okay because we don't want to change that much. No. One thing I think might happen more is since my mom is moving in with us and we ah. want to keep her mental faculty sharp, I think I'm going to be trying to get her to play some games. Yep. You might see an uptick of me covering more gateway games as a result is certainly a possibility because they're mm. generally too late for me or too light for me and Jen. But uh, um, to get mom to the table, you might want to... Play that's a little bit more Ticket to Ride or something like that. Yeah, that could be a whole new niche for you. I know. It'll be, it, yeah, that's something I've been thinking that might happen. If you desire, decide to retire, Rado runs through as it is currently. I like the as it is currently. He won't, even <laughs> deem, he won't even dare to imagine a world without Rado in some form. Would you still do a Rado runs through videos, but just of games you already wanted to do? Maybe taking down the voting or on a more relaxed schedule? Well, again, I, I, I feel like I have to mention this a lot. I don't film games that I don't want to do. I know people get to vote, but they only get to vote on the stuff that I've already decided, yes, I would like to play that. If I don't want to play it, it gets ripped out of the request geek list. I never pick it up in the first place. If publishers contact me and say, we will send this to you, I'll say, no, thank you. I say no nine times out of every ten when somebody offers to send me games. And that's not just Kickstarter games. That's retail games. I, I say no all the time. So the ones that do make it through our door, I already have an interest in. The only thing voters do is just help me prioritize. And, you know, it's certainly true that they don't always prioritize the same way I do. But, I, I mean, I, I have every intention of getting around to all of them anyway. As for moving forward, uh, you know, in the last podcast, we said we don't have answers. We still don't necessarily have answers. We're still trying to figure out what the new financial situation of our lives is going to be like. Of course, the single biggest issue is we are, we're going to have to start paying for insurance because we're getting insurance. into our late 40s, early 50s. Yeah, and we're leaving Europe where we have all our insurance needs covered for free because we, this is a nice, modern, well-considered society. And instead, we're going... Oh, we're going into Thunderdome, basically. <laughs> so that's got you know that's going to be a huge drain on us financially every month, and uh, and so the thing is, where I could afford where we are right now, looking out at the beautiful ocean, mm. um, watching the waves come in, I don't have to do Rado runs through, uh, but. We think going back to America, I probably have to. It's not a, oh, do I want to? It's, it's more. That's kind of been the case we've been in for a while anyway, because unbeknownst to the world, we have been, don't tell her, been secretly supporting my mom. Uh, you may have noticed a couple of years ago, I got a little bit more serious about Rado Runs Through, and I said, hey, you know what? Okay, I'll officially start taking a salary now, and things have changed in our lives. One of them was, we've been trying to support my mom more. But that has now advanced to the next level because we're moving back to support her even more. And that's an interesting, that's a interesting factor too because she'll be moving in with us. That's going to change oh, gosh. all kinds of financial situation type issues. Well, for and time and issues, for bad. our time management issues. And uh, yeah, who knows? so it's hard to say right now. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, in the last podcast, I didn't say Rado was going to stop. I just said we might have to delay the, the yearly fundraising. And I would think that's implicit that, yeah, we're still going to do fundraising because I'm still <laughs> going to film games. Yeah. So I'm sorry I didn't make that clear last time. I, I, it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, Rado will continue, definitely. 
Do you think you'll go to more U.S.-based conventions like Gen Con? Probably. I mean, certainly PAX, the one that uh, happens in Seattle. Obviously, we'll go to that one. And Sasquatch, because I won't be going to Essen necessarily anymore, so I still got to see all the Essen hotness, which is a little mini convention that happens every year in Seattle a month after Essen, where all the latest Essen hotness is on display. I'll be hanging out with Joel Eddy of Drive Through Review there. At least, I assume, I, I hope, hopefully I can get an invite. I'll have to work on that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's certainly a much better chance of going to Dice Tower Con and Origins and Gen Con and, uh, and the Gathering of Friends and who knows, all kinds of things. But I wouldn't say necessarily this year. Uh, this year, it's going to be, you know, we'll only just be settling down into our new routines in August. I don't think, even though I could make it to Gen Con, I doubt it'll happen. Yeah. And Jen is, I don't know, she's, Jen is actually now signing me. Because for those folks who don't know, Jen can actually speak in sign language. Oh, and she's bit. been trying to get me to learn it for 20 years for this exact occasion where she can send me a message without having to say something. She's got a keyboard and laptop right in front of her. She could type me secret messages all she wants. Hold on. But no, she Let has to do the, the little thumb between the three fingers, which I think is a C or maybe it's an S. I don't know. I tried to learn once. Um, right, so Jen... Has... I've just typed him something via Skype. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here is an interesting uh, thing. This is not in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, Jen wanted to know if we should talk about it. I'm like, yeah, totally. The weird thing... Oh, okay, I won't go into it. We're just going to talk about the game-related side of it. But because of some weird vagaries of how we had to do the airlines, it was much, much cheaper for us to fly to Seattle if we got a round-trip ticket. Yeah. It was significantly more expensive to yeah. do a one-way flight. It was like four times more expensive. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So we got a round-trip ticket. The, the returning trip is in October. So, folks, I'm, we're not saying it's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. We will but currently, have done enough traveling. We do have a return trip to, uh, to fly back to England just in time for Essenceville. Yep. Jen said, should we mention this? Maybe we shouldn't, because get, I, I can't stress enough. I would give it, at this point, an 85% chance that come that time of the year, we're like, yeah, we don't want to do this. Well, we'll have just moved three times exactly, and be exactly. settling in. But it's a possibility. Okay, there we go. Now, we are going to move on to Thomas right after I adjust Jen's mic, because she keeps jostling and whatnot. Sorry about that. Let's see. Hopefully, this will work a little bit better. Should have checked that before we start filming. Okay. Thomas <laughs> says, in my latest final thoughts for the Prodigal Club, or no, yeah, not latest, that was a long time ago, I said I was looking forward to trying it with Last Will. Did I ever get a chance to do it? And if so, is it any good? No, I didn't. The, such is my lot in life that I have a laundry list of games I could go back and play and variants I could try, but like a shark, I am always moving forward. If I'm not moving forward, I drown uh, because of the nature of Rotter Runs Through. So no, I haven't tried it. Um, right. Did you continue your Charterstone campaign? Oops. Did you continue your Charterstone campaign with your friends in Malta? If the answer is yes, can you elaborate on the difference is felt between the two-player and the four-player game? Also, you're wondering, uh, when we first played with Jan, if we were annoyed by the constant flow of new rules that was pumped into the game via legacy mechanisms, he said mechanics, I, all, I played about half the campaign with my wife, and we found it, a, it was a real downside of the game. We were never really enjoying the moment, always waiting for a new rule to come up. The same thing can be said about the automatons. Uh, with only human players, they are necessary, but in our view, they are constantly breaking the flow of the game. What are your thoughts? Honey Pie, you've played this. You can answer this question. I will. Were you even listening? Um, I 
Was listening to the, like the second half. What was the first half? <laughs> the question relates to Charterstone. Yes, I got that. Question number one. Yes. Are we playing through the campaign a second time with our friends? Yes, we yes, are. Yes, we are. We're halfway through. I think we have played six of the 12 games yep. in the second campaign. And before we leave Europe, because they're English and we're going to be in England for a couple months, we hope to meet up with them and finish it. Yay! Uh, and maybe at the UK Game Expo. By the way, we are at the UK Game Expo this oh, yes. year. Uh, that we can officially announce that. Probably should have talked about that on that convention question uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. We will be at the UK Games Expo. Jen will be there hawking her wares <laughs> at the, uh, what's it, um, the Geek and Sun. At their booth, they have wonderfully given Jen a little bit of space, so she'll be able to sure try to sell some glass. And I will be there covering the event for folks who've never, always wondered what it's like. And uh, we will hopefully meet up with David and Angela and get that Charterstone finished. But back to Charterstone. Honey Pie. Yes. We've played it as a two-player game. We've now played it quite a bit as a four-player game. Yeah. Compare and contrast. Well... Um, I like it both ways. How's that? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think it's good both ways. I I did um, the automaton stuff was sometimes frustrating and sometimes really good when it was just you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like playing with David and Angela, so I think um, I've really enjoyed it playing with them. And of course, they're making intelligent decisions. <laughs> uh, like you know, what was that last game where they Angela decided to end it early and. Much to your chagrin. Oh, man, she ruined me. Never, never resource hoard. But it was going to be so perfect. I was so close. And the thing was, he'd resource hoarded on a previous one. Yeah, I did it two games in a row. Okay, this didn't work in the first game. It is definitely going to work in this. Because that's one of the beautiful things about Charterstone. I know, I know. And yeah, Jen was like, you know, this is going to happen to you again. No, it's not. Because I'm doing it differently this time. Oh, it happened again. Damn it! Because that's one of the beautiful things about Charterstone. It's so fast. We're playing as a four-player game. Yeah, really and, is. you know, the last time they visited, we played three games back-to-back. It, it just it just zips by. Mm. It's amazing how much there is to that game. Um, and it's so incredibly fast. Uh, and we have found that to be the case as a four-player game. Of course, it would be true as a six-player game as well. Because mm. the uh, pro- if we played oh, as a full six-player game, yeah. the, the progress thing is that much shorter. I think, I know a lot of people complain about Charterstone that it's so long, it took us three hours to play the game. They must be doing something wrong. You know, like they're they're forgetting the fact that, hey, once you run out of influence, you're supposed to fast forward to the end of the game. I bet a lot of people forget that. We forgot it for some of our games as well. Um, And, but yeah, once you know that, I mean, oh man, that game is just great. It's so tense. But anyway, uh, right, so you like it both ways. That is your feedback? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, obviously, Jen is correct. A four-player... Uh, th- this is a game that's going to be better with more. Uh, you know, there's no two ways about it because so much of this game is about the implicit bumping interaction between players. The, and it's a big old board and it only gets bigger the longer you play. So the more people you have running around and having the potential... I mean, we're surprised. There's not that much bumpage. But the more players, I mean, because you just don't want to give your opponent a leg up. Oh, I'll wait for them to clear out. And you know, that can be your downfall. Trust me, I know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, obviously it's going to be better with more. I, we still had a great time with two. It's definitely better with four. Uh, I, I think the real question, we have never played it with two, just the two of us. We have always used the two um, Otamas. And uh, someday we'll have to give that a try. Because I know some people have said, no, it works great without them as well. So... And maybe for some people, maybe for you and your wife, that would be better. Uh, he also, honey pie, think back to when you and I were playing it. Yeah. Because they've been a bit frustrated by the constant onslaught of new rules. Yeah. 
especially if you're playing with the Otamas. I don't think that's quite so prevalent if you're playing with other human players because the Otamas, they just go crazy for opening boxes. They did. They are cuckoo for boxes. They oh. just, hey, in this game, here's 12 new rules. And because they just won't stop opening the boxes. And when Jen said they can be frustrating, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They're, they're taking all the things that are in the boxes. Don't want to go <laughs> too much into spoilers here for folks who haven't played it. And you're like, they're taking them all, but I want those things, and I can't build as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I can say, don't worry, it all works out in the end. But um, you know, And they do eventually slow down, and that gives players a chance to speed up because they eventually kind of focus on other stuff. But... Uh, yeah, did you find it to be a problem when we were playing just you and me and they were? I don't think the new rules were such an issue. In fact, I, that's one of the things I really like about <clears throat> Charterstone, essentially, is that every time you um, start a new chapter, there is something new. Mm -hmm. it's, so you don't, you're not just kind of doing the same old, same old for the whole 12 chapters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's constantly reinventing actually, itself. Exactly. Yeah. And um, with the goals and stuff, too. I mean, that, that helps shape what you're your goals are going to be for that particular scenario. So I think, well, maybe maybe they've just got some uh, an unfortunate conglomeration of which boxes and crates they've opened, so they are having a, a cascade effect. That's uh, yeah, that's certainly true. I mean, it's going to be different for everybody. I, yeah, I can say. I mean, but I don't know if we're a good litmus test because we play a lot of games. We're, I mean, we play three new games every week. Uh, that's kind of the same as playing three games of. Uh, Charterstone every week. You're going to get three mm -hmm. games worth of new stuff thrown your way. So yeah. we're kind of used to that. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, get, we throw ourselves into the deep end of the pool all the time, and we've just learned how to tread water. So I don't think it's a big deal for us. But I can certainly say how it, would, it could be overwhelming. It's interesting. At one point, I thought I would actually declare Charterstone to be an excellent gateway game, but not really. The very first game is a great gateway game, but then the second game where no matter how many players there's going to be, you're going to drop three new rules that, that kind of interrupt the flow and all that. It can be a bit daunting. I understand that. And when you say with two players they are necessary, maybe I was wrong. I know I talked about that when I did my run-through, but maybe they aren't quite so necessary. Because I've heard a lot of people, now that the game is more widely available, say they loved it as a two-player game with Noah Thomas. So maybe you guys should just try a couple of games like that. Continuing on, on the same note, I was wondering if you could expand on your Pandemic Legacy 2 final thoughts. At one moment, you said you were planning on getting deeper into spoiler territory. I'm curious if you can do that right now. Uh, now would be the worst time to do spoilers because since this is audio, nobody has a way of knowing where to um, skip ahead to or anything like that. But the specific question, did we find the game too sandboxy compared to Season 1? I don't think so. It's interesting. I've read a lot of people. Of course, you know, when we put our video up, uh, not very many people had played it because we had it relatively early this time. I think we did. I think we did. And uh, so, you know, I was just giving my own responses. But I've, I've seen a lot of other people's responses. And it seems like a lot of people have very, very different overall experiences playing that game. And I think what it comes down to is how aggressively they pursue opening the boxes. Because, I mean, that was always our goal. We were always, well, okay, uh, it's all, you know, I mean, the, the biggest problem is the game was so gosh darn easy. I mean, it was just crazy, crazy easy. I mean, we, I wouldn't say we slept walk through it, but I mean, we had a really easy time. I think we only lost once, um, and that's just because we hadn't quite gotten into the groove. And it was the March. It was the third month, which is by far the toughest month in the entire game, which is a weird design thing to give you the toughest hurdle to overcome in the whole game, literally in your third game or fourth game, depending on how you did in the first couple of games. But 
yeah, if you can stay ahead of the curve and keep getting those boxes open and keep exploring and keep getting um, you know, the, the resources you need. For us, it never felt sandboxy at all. We always had a very, very clear idea of what we wanted to do next, and we were able to pursue that agenda. So I wouldn't say that it felt very sandboxy to us at all. For us, sandboxy is, we have a slightly different definition of it than most. For When we say it's too sandboxy, that's because they, um, they give us this game and they give us no direction. Hey, here's yep. 50 different levers you could pull. Yep. Which one should you pull? I don't know. Yep. Whichever one you want. Yep. There's no indication of... Have fun! <laughs> pulling random levers and seeing what happens. <laughs> like, could you, could you give us like some objective cards that will make certain levers more attractive and so we can start building a long-term strategy over levers B7 and 32? You know, and for us, Legacy 2 was not... I mean, it, it gave us very clear... Go search, um, you know, the Middle East. Go search North America. Um, you know, never mind the fact that it drops clues. I'm surprised how many people miss the clues that make it very, very clear where you should be going. Uh, you know, some people they some people never find all the labs because I mean, oh. you know, uh, oh. so. But you know, if you pay attention and you don't treat it like a sandbox, you say, right, we've got to pursue these objectives. We've got to get these boxes open. We've got to find all these labs. Uh, I think I, I don't think it'll be sandboxy at all. And I think you won't run into some of the problems that other players do because, I don't know, they focus too much on winning the individual game. Moving on, about Gloomhaven. Can you tell us your favorite character to play and why? And is it also true that if you could play the game right, a game right now, it would be Gloomhaven? Honey Pie, if we could play any game on that wall, what would you want to play right now? Dungeon Pets. <laughs> well, there you go. I would still say Gloomhaven. So Jen and I apparently uh, agree I to I'm disagree. I'm feeling a little bit like oh, I need comfort food and you know a warm, snuggly blanket. But Gloomhaven does not provide you a warm, snuggly blanket. No. We played it so much. Well, I know, but it's not a just a. a it's walking. too stressful. Yeah. All right. There's too much going. Some on. would consider Dungeon Pets to be kind of stressful too, but apparently not you. Okay. They're just adorable. I would play it right now if I could. The only reason I wouldn't play it is because it would take two or three hours, and we don't have enough time to play that right now because we're too busy packing. And Honey Pie, who's your favorite character? I still love my uh, Tinkler. Tinkler. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cordy. Cordy the Tinker. The Tinkerer. Tinker. The Quattrel. Quattrel. Yeah. Your first. First was the best. Yep. Because uh, we played, I think we've both played now three or four characters, something yeah. like that. I'd have to go back and look. I am hard pressed not to agree that my favorite is the little uh, rat person that I started out with. Which, by the way, I recently found out she was a girl. It oh. was a little rat lady I was playing all that time. Yeah. I, I totally missed the pronouns on that. Uh, the Savas was not as much fun as I had hoped because I found out some rules that kind of frustrated me about deploying rocks that was <laughs> I it was not a fan of, and. I'm really enjoying. We call her Sunny. Yeah. Um, Leave it at that. Yeah, because I don't want to get into spoilers. Okay, so, uh, the only spoiler is hey, one of the character boxes has a sun on it. And when we got that character, we named her Sunny. And I've really been enjoying her a lot. Very much so. I have also. I've a couple games I have played as the basic starter tank character, the big, really tall one, the Inox. I really enjoyed that character a lot. I know a lot of people say it's the most boring character, but you know, it's, when we played with David Anja, I mean, it's the one where I could just like rampage through stuff, and I was just jumping from character to character. I mean, when I was playing that character, it felt like I was playing Diablo, a barbarian, and it was so awesome. So, I mean, I, there's not a single character I haven't enjoyed. Jen had a hard time. Jen really struggled with the summoner character. Yep. Um, but that's just because it's 
requires such a radical rethink of how to play to, pl- to do successful summoning. My rat character was a summoning master. By the time I retired him, I think he had four characters. He summoned every single game. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I loved it. But yeah, Jen didn't particularly enjoy that one. You really have to get into the, the summoning. Yeah. We got that one retired ASAP. Finally! I am wrong in thinking, uh, once you're back in the U.S., your gaming habits will largely... Am I wrong in thinking your gaming habits will stay the same, or will you uh, suddenly look playing, uh, looking forward to playing games with three or more players? I ask because I find it funny that on your guild, so many people already mentioned they would like to have you and Jen join their gaming group. That's very, very sweet. I, I, I imagine there will be an uptick in uh, group play, but at, at Jen and I, at our heart of hearts, we're, we like playing two-player games. I mean, it is our favorite way to play. Yeah. It's faster. Faster. Uh, we know each other. We um, tend not to get impatient with each other if one of us is, either of us are APing up a storm. <laughs> That's um, you know, me. Uh, we feel more comfortable in APing up a storm. If we're playing with a stranger, like, you know, I know this is particularly yeah. tough for Jen, that she feels like, I-, I really want to sit here for five minutes and figure out the best way to make this move. And that would be the most fun thing for me. And if she was only playing with me, she would do it without blinking. Yep. But if she's playing with other players, she doesn't want to make them wait. So she just kind of rushes through her thought process and doesn't have as much fun. Jen has a much worse win ratio uh, when we play <laughs> multiplayer. That's why I should play multiplayer more often because I tend to win more often than not. But um, yeah, so I mean, we'll see. But uh, just because we're living in a new city doesn't, uh, doesn't mean we will change, I don't think, as gamers. Okay, moving on. Chris says he watches or catches up on the old podcast with two questions plus one about a run through. Whatever happened to Alter Ego and Reborn from Flame? I was excited hearing about those. And when I listed them in his anticipated 2017 games, but they're not on Amazon. Are they not complete? They sound awesome. Yes. I actually asked uh, Seth Jaffe, the designer, uh, behind Alter Ego, you know, and he's like the design director on Tasty Minstrel Games. I sent him an email at the beginning of the year asking, hey, is Alter Ego going to come out this year because I want to put it on my most anticipated for 2018 since it didn't come out in 2017. And he said, yeah, it's a long shot, probably won't make it. So it's been put on the back burner. It's going to be a while before we see Alter Ego, which is so awesome because it's a superhero game mm-hmm. where we don't focus on the superheroics. We focus on the day-to-day job whether they're a reporter or a photographer oh. or a, fast, a fry cook. And it's like, okay, I'm just trying to get by. And yeah, at night I have to go out and save people. <laughs> and that's not the part you play. You just play the day job, which I just love. That's, I, I don't know how it'll work, but uh, you know, Alter Ego sounds really, really cool. And Reborn from Flame, uh, yeah, that's gone quiet. I haven't heard anything about that one for a while. Uh, if I recall correctly, it was just a, a single guy doing it by himself. It was, it was a, a similar thing. It was a notion. It was a cooperative game. It was a fantasy village under siege. But, and we didn't play brave, noble knights and warriors. We are just farmers and mm. barkeeps. Try, and we are frantically trying to train ourselves um, to learn the skills we need as the bad guys are coming to save our own town. Right. I love that, too. I, I think those both sound great. But, yeah, they've gone silent. Hopefully, we'll hear more about them in the future. Finally, I listened to the run-through of Pursuit of Happiness. It's now on my games to buy. Thanks a lot for thinking on my wallet. But here's the question. Is there a similar game where the focus is on a character with a disability? The game would be very interesting with a new set of challenges. Uh, The game, numerous variants like a co-op two-player with caregiver and disabled person. I could go on and on. I'm hoping this might already be a game. I don't. Th- I can't think of one. Now, I've, I've mentioned in the past, 
If you ask me particulars about a game I've played five years ago, I can pretty much pluck that stuff out of my brain, no problem. If you ask me a broad reaching, tell me about X, Y, or Z, my brain just shuts down. I need to, like, and I can't think of a specific game that does this. I, I do know of one, although uh, I don't remember the name of it. It came out a few years ago, and it was, it was unfortunately a game that kind of mocked players with disabilities because you were an orderly in a hospital and, um, or no, no, an old folks home. And the old folks were kind of running rampant because they were all suffering from dementia and you had to get them all back to their rooms. And I know there was actually quite a bit of flack because that was really not very politically correct, not very sensitive, not very inclusive. And so uh, probably the less said about that, the better, I suppose. Unless you've got kind of a, you know, a, a, a certain sense of humor. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, Chris. I can't think of one. Honestly, you're going to be better off going on to you know, like one of the Facebook groups that are devoted to you know, board game discussions. There's several really big ones. Or you know, the, the general discussion on Board Game Geek and ask there. I can't think of any. I think you're right. That would make for some very interesting subject matter. But... I can't think of one right now. Not off the top of my head. Sorry to say. But I'm probably forgetting one that I'm, you know, people will all respond and say, oh, why didn't you think about X, Y, or Z? But I can't think of one. Sorry to say. Next, we move on to Jeff, who has questions about Jens and my cooperative play. I know, so we always play straight two-player versions of co-ops. Have you ever given any thought to playing more roles at once? Minigames support this quite easily. Yes, of course, any cooperative game, you can play with any number of players because, yeah, you could uh, one player can control all four characters or two can control one. Uh, do we do that? Uh, um, let's see. So some games like Captain is Dead rely on a variant that removes some cards from two-player version. That detracts from the game if you don't actually bring more characters in. You're right. There's no toys about it. If we were interested in that, I think we could definitely have more fun uh, playing Pandemic as a four-player game where we each control two players. Two characters apiece. Honey, would you like to do that? No. Neither would I. Would you like to articulate why? It's too much. Yeah? I want to be the character I am. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus on that and learn that and enjoy that and everything. I don't want to have to be like, oh, wait, oh, that, was not, that one did this thing and this one does this thing. Yeah. No. Yep. I agree. It's not for us. I've talked about this in the past, that suddenly we don't feel like we're the character anymore. We feel like we're some disembodied armchair general ordering characters around. So we kind of get pulled out. And then as Jen just pointed out, the level of complexity increases. Yeah. If it's, the, not, it's not more fun to try and remember twice as much minutiae. Yeah, or yeah, balance twice or keep twice as many plates spinning in the air at the exactly. same time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if the game was designed to be a rich and robust experience where I control only one character... And that's probably what I want to do. Righty. Let's see here. Yes, you're right. We do have the brain power to do it, but it's just, uh, for us, it... What's the opposite of enhances? It doesn't dehance. De detracts. It detracts from the quality of the experience for us. So that's why we don't do it. And games that force us to do it, it's pretty rare that we actually find that acceptable. And that's usually a big turnoff for us. <clears throat> Moving on to Grady. Honey Pie, we're almost out of the game's woods. Oh. Grady Honey Pie loves the channel. And notices that it has changed over the years. I seem to describe more of the rules up front before I start playing the game. Where in the past, I just jumped right in and explained as I went. Is this a conscious decision on my part or simply an evolution of the channel as I gained more experience? Uh, Grady greatly prefers the old method, but he still enjoys the channel. Thanks, Grady. It is true. That is definitely a change. There's no two ways about it. Is it a conscious change? I would say yes, it is. Hmm. Um, one... 
it, it, it's, it started, there's a couple things that made me start doing it. Uh, there's another, one of my favorite channels on YouTube is Bored to Death. And they do the standard Tom Vassell, hey, let's have a little bit of talking heads, and then let's just describe the rules of the game in shorthand, and then let's just tell you what we think. You know, kind of the standard format, which is not my favorite format, because more often than not, it doesn't really give me a sense of what the game feels like. It lets me know what the game looks like, and you know, intellectually I get a sense for it, but I don't get a, a sense of the, the gestalt, the experience. But... Bored to Death does this, but they always, I noticed, they always started every one of their little um, videos with a description of how to set up the game. Which, at first, kind of struck me as, oh, why are you doing that? I mean, it, 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 it serves no purpose. You're just supposed to be telling me how the rules work so I can decide. And, but they always say, well, first you do this, everybody starts with this many cards in their hand, and here, here's where this is, here's where this is, here's where this is. And I noticed that I tended to get more out of their videos than I did out of a standard review format, like what Tom does or others. I mean, no, no offense to them. I mean, they, what they do is great. But for me, I found I like Bored to Death more, and I realized is because they spent that extra time by walking me through the setup, they're kind of setting the table. They're giving me a sense of the place and the the uh, the components the you know the, the physicality of the game and because that gets rooted in my brain then when they start talking about how we use those components I get a stronger sense of the gameplay and I realized me personally whenever I sit down to learn the rules of the game I don't even bother reading the rules unless I can actually set the game up in front of me so I can physically touch it and I see it and I know what all the pieces are and what their names are and where they go and all of that. And I thought, well, okay, well, for me, this makes it so much better. And at the same time, I noticed uh, there were a lot of people who uh, would ask a lot of questions like, why are you asking that? That's, that should be self-evident from the run-through because, if, because why would I have done X if this wasn't Y? And I realized, I think, while I appreciate you like it that I just jump right in and explain things as I go, for uh, some percentage of my audience, that's the better version of the show. But for a big, big portion of my audience, it really helps to spend that extra time cementing the game, talking about where we are, talking about who we are, if need be, talking about how the game was set up, talking about decisions that had to be made during setup. Because I'm not trying to teach anybody how to play the game. I'm just trying to give everybody a sense of what it feels like to play the game. And if I can set that table for them, if I can set that scene, I think it helps out with the rest of the video. Even if it means I spend five, sometimes even ten minutes in the video before I make that first move. But then that means when I make that first move, the majority of my audience will feel a stronger sense of connection. It'll click more. It'll you know burrow into their brain more, and they'll have a better understanding of the rhythms of the game. And that's all I'm trying to do. So yes, it is a conscious decision I made. And I know some people. I mean, hardly a week goes by that somebody doesn't complain. Sometimes quite vociferously, and sometimes quite jerkily about it. But I, I think. For my taste, I think it's the better way to go. And I think for the majority of my audience, it's the better way to go. And for people who don't like it, you're on YouTube. Just play it at double speed. I recently noticed you can now play on double speed on your iPhone as well. So just play it and you'll get through that seven-minute intro in three and a half minutes. Bob's your uncle. So, good question though, Grady. It is definitely a conscious choice. Steve-O says... In your recent call of games before your move, did Jen have much of a say in what <laughs> games you kept? Uh, you, I had 
an opportunity <laughs> yes. to give some feedback. Yep, I was making a list of what I was going to get rid of and, and what we're going to keep and what we're going to try, carry with us to England and what we're going to try to sell here in Malta and what we're going to ship directly to America. A lot of logistics. A whole board game could be made about the process of transporting board games internationally. And I said, Honey Pie, do you have any strong feelings? And she, well, that one, yeah, of course we're keeping that one. Oh, and that one too. Oh, yeah, of course we're going to keep that one. She said, okay. And um, th there were no surprises in the five or six that she could actually recognize by name. Yeah. Um, if you ever watched Jen's top 10, which was really a top 26, <laughs> I talked about this then, how, I mean, it literally took us the almost half a day for me just to walk Jen through all the games and just remind her of what they all were. Because... Yeah. I, I think it actually took several days. Yeah. It's, it seemed like it did anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally trust you, mm -hmm. for starters, to know what I want. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so, no, I think I, he, he, I stood there and looked at the wall and a sort of this glazed look came <laughs> over me and I went into a coma. And, <laughs> a no. cardboard coma. Yep. All right, well, there you go. He also asked, were there any games that I wanted to get rid of that Jen said we have to keep? No, we don't have anything like that because if he doesn't want to play it or I don't want to play it, then we don't want to make the other person play it. Yeah, we do have a couple. Oh. We have one. Woo! Well, but it's not that I, I just I don't mind. Um, remember Honshu? We played it a few times. It's a, it's a card game. It, it, you, you do um, trick-taking, but you're, you're taking the cards to stack them and kind of weave them into a little thing. If I show it to you, you'll recognize yeah, it. You don't recognize the name. Jen loves it. I just think it's okay, and I don't think it's a very good two-player game at all, but Jen really loves it. Same is true for Dice Town. Dice Town's great with four or five or six people, yeah. but, you know, Jen says, oh, I'll play it as a two-player game. Like, no, we won't. Come on. That's the one where you're in the old West Town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she remembers that one. Yeah. And we only keep that because Jen wants it. Uh, because, I mean, I guess Dice Town's good to have around. They're both good to have around for the occasional four-player game, but if somebody actually does come over and play games with us, they're going to play a brand-new game, too, because there's yeah. no time to go back and play the old games. True. Right. In a previous podcast, I mentioned that Jen hated, hated Secret Voldemort. Why was that? Does she hate all social deduction games? Honey, you're going to have to answer this one. Do you remember it? Yes. <laughs> yes. And she looks off. She gets that million-mile stare, and she just... Looks out at the, the waves to calm because their blood pressure just rose up. Honey Pie, why did you not enjoy Secret Voldemort? Um, actually, there was another deductive game we just played recently that I didn't like. What was that? I don't know. Um, we just played it like a week or two ago. The Rob and Run game, where one person is the, the, the leader of the heist and the other person's trying to figure out. No, you, you kind of like that one. Yeah. No, shoot. I can't remember. We play so many games. Um, I just, I kind of feel like like uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, he, he's very enjoyable to read, but you know that he's got a little trick or two up his sleeve and that, you know, he's not giving you all the information that you could make the same decisions as, as, say, Sherlock is. And there's a lot that goes along, and it's kind of the same with the escape room. I kind of feel like there's almost a trick involved in it and that they're not going to give you all the information um, so that you can do the best job you can. And... So that's, I guess that's wise, because I don't feel like I have as, as much information as I should mm -hmm. to, to make the best decisions. Mm -hmm. And you don't find that and enjoyable? I find it, no, I find it frustrating. And you and, don't enjoy the... And stupid making. And feeling. stupid making. Oh, yeah. so that's interesting. I, this is not what I was expecting Jen was going to say. Oh, okay. Because I, what she said right afterwards... 
uh, right after we left the people's house. <laughs> and by the way, they were lovely people. Oh, we had a yeah, good time with a them. Really nice time. But Jen had a really hard time because it was a very loud and raucous oh, game. Oh, that. Yes. Well, that's just... I mean, with all the hurlings of accusations of, you're a liar, no, you're a liar, he's got to be a you know, and all that stuff. And she was sitting right next to me, and I was probably loudest at the table, uh, because I tried a gambit of, what was I? I was one of the bad guys. You know, uh, I was a Death Eater. Yeah, you were. And uh, when I, when I, for the first, chan I, first chance I had, I threw my fellow Death Eater under the bus. <laughs> As and, a death and, eater would do. Yeah, uh, and, you know, and, and he just was completely knocked out. So everybody at the table, one hundred percent, believed everything I said, uh, and I had them all right. Where and you know, it, it, it meant we were down, but I had total control over these people, and so I was very, very active in every discussion, just trying to very subtly get people to. I mean, come on, is that really what he said? That's not how I remember it. And since everybody believed me a thousand percent, we almost pulled it off. We just <laughs> barely didn't make it, but it, it just came down to like a single turn. We almost won. And it was because, yeah, I totally threw Karthik under the bus. <laughs> I very much enjoyed that. But because of that, I, I'm, I'm loud to begin with, and Jen You're was sitting right loud. next to me, God. and everybody else was crazy loud. Yeah. But I didn't know you were also kind of just, what, intimidated by the process itself? Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So I guess that answers Steve's other question of, are there any games, or, or, or do you just hate social deduction games? I think I do. You think you do. What about Mysterium? Uh, do you don't remember what Mysterium is? Mysterium remember. is where one player is the ghost oh, and no. has to hand out dream cards, and, yeah. and everybody else is working cooperatively yeah. to socially deduce what the ghost means. What about that? That is, once again, trying to get into his head with limited information and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I think that's a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, I think that's... I enjoy, I enjoy Mystery. All righty. Moving on. Uh, Steve recently purchased Escape, Curse of the Temple, Big Box. Yay. Watched our run-through from five years ago. And in it, you say that Jen thinks it might be her favorite game of all time. Where would it be now in her top 100? Um, hasn't made it through your recent moving call. And of all the expansions, what are your favorites that I should play? All right. Honey Pie, um, is it still your favorite game of all time, potentially? No, but I really, really like it still. Mm -hmm. Although we haven't played it for... We haven't played it for a couple of years. I think we've played expansions to it. And we've played like Zombie Escape. Yeah, we... What yep. was that? Yeah. Um, uh, it'll always have a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. when, when it first came out, I mean, Jen was super obsessed with it. Yeah. I like, honey, I have to go to work. Yeah, but it's just 10 minutes. We yeah, can just play one game before you go to work, right? 10 minutes. That's yeah. we could do. I, yeah, she was just... You don't need to brush your teeth or anything. Yeah, she was absolutely insane about it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we would play it more. I think we'd still probably play it now. It's just the nature of my job precludes it. Of all the expansions, I still think the coolest one... There are, you know, and it was an expansion. It was a promo. Although I think it did ultimately get released in one of the expansions was the pit. Mm, I know you like the pit. Yeah, I mean the pit's just awesome. Um, you know, because it, it it forces. I mean, I would never want to play the game without putting the pit in there at some point or other, because. When Jen and I play as a two-player game, you kind of have to split up and cover a lot of space. And any opportunity for us to be forced to come back together I, you know, and work directly mm. together, I, I absolutely love. I think the way the pit works is absolutely brilliant. And, uh, yeah. I see. There, there were those... There, you know, the, the, the unique character special abilities, they were cool, but they weren't as cool as I thought they were. Um, because, you know, I mean, you, Escape, or any game like Escape, can 
run the risk of becoming too top heavy. Anytime where you're having to play against the clock in real time, you don't want to have too much stuff to juggle in your mind. Yeah. Escape has just about the perfect level of simplicity of play, just enough to think about. Um, but you know, not overwhelming. The same way Fuse does. So, I mean, there's a lot of the stuff. I, I think mostly I've just enjoyed the, those little extra tiles that come in that don't confuse things too much. And anytime there's a tile that forces you to work with other players, those are the best. And of course, that's the base nature of the game, too. Trying to get rid of the cursed gems. You want to work with other players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the slide. You walk in and ah, I slid down in the room and now I can't go back out the way I came and I gotta find another way around. I mean, just fun little things. I like those little moments. Those are my favorite things. Do you have anything to say, Honey Pie, since we haven't played it for a couple of years? No, not really. What's your favorite curse? Um, I think probably that you can't speak. <laughs> because one. it makes me shut up. <laughs> no, it, just, it makes it a lot harder if you can't speak. Yep. Um, yeah, the one that where you have to put your head on the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're yep. just fun physical yep. comedy. Alrighty. Oh, and last question. Will we be attending the UK Games Expo? Check earlier in this very episode. I guess I should have saved it for this, but I didn't know, Steve, that you would ask this. Um, and have you, have you ever been, and do you plan on going this year? Yes, we will be there. As I mentioned earlier, we've never been before. Yep. I don't know if we'll ever be again, but 2018 is the year. Yes. You'll see us there. Although we don't know how long and how many days, etc. Because we we're too busy moving right now. Um, we should be packing boxes, but we were just so exhausted. Jen took a nap. She didn't want to get back up and go back. And I said, <laughs> well, we could do the podcast. She said, yes, please. Okay. Yes. All right. Although, this is where we're going to take a break because we have just finished the game-related stuff. And we are now going to uh, say thanks for listening, everybody. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. And if you haven't quit... If you'd like to hear more particulars of Jen's in my personal life, you can come back right after this. Okay, everybody, time for the personal questions and answers. And oh my gosh, there were a lot. Not surprisingly, after our announcement from last month. So let's jump right into it, starting with. Three questions from Enjoyly or Enjoyly. Enjoyly wonders. Honey Pie. Yeah. Question number one. Mm. Do we have any household traditions for Christmas or any other holidays, official or unofficial? Mm. Thought it was going to start out by the move, didn't you? But yeah. no. Enjoyly threw us for a curve. <laughs> um, I would say I, not. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're so tentative about that. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I used to do a lot of stuff with decorating and, and everything, but I think when we moved to England, I left a lot of my boxes of decor in my sister's uh, garage, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it just kind of fell by the wayside. I, I think I just like to try and cook a nice meal. That's true, yes. More of an elaborate meal. But not something super, you know, not like a five-course, you know, just, you know, the appropriately themed thing. Yeah. You try to find some turkey somewhere in Malta, <laughs> um, if at all possible, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And uh, make a pie of some sort and have sweet potatoes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So maybe a little bit more work put into cooking, but that's about it. And me, no. I've never really been into holidays. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of old fuddy days. We don't, we don't even celebrate each other's birthdays anymore, quite frankly, and saying happy birthday. Yeah, maybe um, going out for dinner. Yeah, or going out for dinner. That's, that's about it. We're, 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 we're simple folk. What are your most looked forward to things about being back in the States? 
Oh, being able to go into a store more or less any time of the day or night and it's open. Mm-hmm. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I... And being able to find the store. Yeah. And having them answer the phone if you call the store. A answer the phone with a somewhat professional answering instead of hello? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that'll be nice. I'm also looking forward to big lanes mm -hmm. with like paint on the pavement. <laughs> and so, relatively smooth. Relatively concrete. smooth, yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, so I guess a bit more civilization. Mm -hmm. uh, Malta is wonderful, but it is, it is perhaps a little bit more rustic <laughs> than we might. So yeah, no, but we, we've enjoyed Malta. Um, but I will definitely, I will, especially the pavements, I think I will enjoy not feeling quite so, um, oh gosh, it's like anyone's game when you're on the roads here. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the standard of driving is pretty low. Following the rules, yeah, you never expect anybody to do anything. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be nice to be back in a bit more of a civilized driving environment. All right. What about food? Oh, I hope we don't like balloon up to double our weights. <laughs> to, to what our old American weight was, quite frankly. Oh, well, when I was in America, I was much slimmer than I am now. I was much fatter than I am now. That's true. But I was running. I was doing 10Ks, remember? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, will. I think I'll have to pick that back up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just pick up 10Ks. No big. Easy peasy. I'll work on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All righty. And uh, Anjali was wondering, if you guys are moving to Seattle proper... Or have you considered Olympia? It's a wonderful city with one of the best game stores in Western Washington. Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics. It also has a wonderfully more intimate downtown with a great alternative lifestyle, eco-friendly vibe. I think it's also not as expensive as Seattle, which is nice. And herein ends the uh, public service announcement for Olympia. All right. <laughs> um, right. I, no, we have not considered that at all. Uh, because the, the reality is... We are moving back to uh, Seattle, or the Seattle area. Like I said, we're, we are not in the heart of Seattle at all. We're way out in the, in the sticks. I think we are still in metropolitan Seattle, we're in the King city County. limits. huh? We're yeah, we're in King County, but we're way out in the sticks. Yeah. Uh, we're moving back to the first house we bought when we were fresh out of college in, in our mid-20s. 21. Were we 21 and 22? Actually, no, we were I older think, than that, weren't we? I think we were 22. Yeah, we were married. Because we got married when yeah. we were 21. I was still at Nintendo because we were able to make the down payment because of that bonus I got, plus mm -hmm. the bonus you got from Scandia Jewelers downtown. Yeah. Um, Northwest Marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, when we eventually left, we lived in that house for, what, four or five years, and then we moved to Oregon, mm -hmm. and we never sold it. We've been renting that house ever since, and it was... A fixer-upper when we moved in. It was a fixer-upper when we moved out. And after 15, 20 years, oh, it's going to need a lot of fixing up now. Um, but we, yeah, we're, we're, we're moving back in there because it was uh, big enough for room for me. Gen so you know, our, our choice of where we're living is driven by uh, that fact. I, you know, I know I, I was talking earlier in the non-personal section about how you know, our overall cost of living is going to increase significantly, but in one way it's not so bad because we are losing the income that we get from the renters 
in, in our Seattle house, but their income was basically covering our rent here in Malta. Yep. So since we're not paying rent here in Malta, but we're not getting that, it's kind of a wash, kind of. Yeah. Nowhere near close to a wash when you think of all the other stuff, we're, all the other costs we're going to have to incur. Um, but uh, at least that's, that's one thing. So yeah, uh, Olympia is nice. We've certainly driven through it many times, oh, uh, driving back and forth from Seattle to Oregon back in the day. I don't think we've ever spent any quality time in our state's capital, though, have we? No, I don't think so. No, no. yeah. I only recognize it from its uh, highway, afraid okay. to say. So, yeah, Olympia is not in our future. And then we move on to Catherine, who says, you understand, you have family obligations, and that should be enough of a reason to return. But this awful political environment makes George W. look like a sweetheart. Some questions for the pod. How are you going to live in this disheartening political climate? With my head in the sand. Yep, with a paper bag on. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jen does not pay attention to politics at all. I don't know how you, I mean, are you not inundated with it on Facebook? Because Jen no. likes to spend a good, once or twice a week, she likes to just hunker down for a couple hours on Facebook and look at nonstop videos of cute dogs yep. and stuff. Yeah, no, I don't have a lot of political people in my feed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's how I avoid most of it. Yeah, at any given time, Jen really has almost no idea what's going on. Uh, has no idea what the latest scandal is. Thank God. And because so, there's nothing I can do about it. There, there's no point in me wasting my energy getting yeah. upset about it. Yeah, she'll vote when she gets her chance. Oh, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, me, you know what? I don't think. I, I, so I think the reality is it's not going to make much of a difference for either of us. We are going to a deep blue state. Um, one of the best states in the nation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, while we are worried about you know the Affordable Care Act, at least Washington State is one that has taken steps to make sure it's a healthy, robust market. Uh, because I have been checking it out, and compared to some states, red states that just did everything they could to to not take the federal subsidies and all that, so it's just a total train wreck. I mean, Washington is up in enrollments this year. And the more enrollments, the better it's going to be. And the individual mandate doesn't go away till 2019, so hopefully Sander Hayes can prevail, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, the thing is, I'm knee-deep in this stuff. I, I watch Maddow every day through my VPN that makes a Maltese internet provider think that I'm in America or in England or wherever I need to be to watch whatever streaming show I want to watch. So, you know, and I listen to the majority report most every day on, um, you know, those are probably my two main, uh, what do I watch? I watch The Daily Show, The Mad Al, uh, The Majority Report on YouTube. They're a little bit too progressive for me, but still, I mean, on, on the whole, Michael, Michael Brooks, he's a bit too much, but Sam, I think he's really level-headed. And, oh, what else? There's a few other sources. So it's not going to change for me. I'm, I'm knee-deep in it all the time. And I don't think it's going to change for Jen because she avoids paying any attention to it all the time. And uh, the reality is, no matter how much you might disagree with somebody on the political spectrum, if you actually meet them in real life, you'll just sit down and you'll have a pleasant conversation with them. I mean, it's, it, that's, it, people are good. Um, you know, even if you fundamentally disagree and you, you, you think they're misguided in their efforts to do whatever they're trying to do, it doesn't change the fact that they're good people. So I think day to day, it's, it's not going to change much. I'm, I'm disheartened all the time anyway. Jen is <laughs> ignoring it all the time anyway. Yeah. It won't matter that we're in the middle of it. Um, you know, like you said before, we do have, we're, we're moving because we have to. We're, the logistics of our younger lives when we made a lot more money, um, although actually we weren't making a lot of money in our 20s. Oh, gosh, um, no. It's just we that, were struggling, yeah, definitely. yeah. 
Uh, yeah. As everybody does when they're in their 20s. Yep, but um, oh, we did talk about how it's a shame we're not, go we're not moving to a battleground state. Yeah. I mean, uh, because, yeah, we're, we're going to a state where, you know what, our vote's going to be pretty much the party line. Oh. <laughs> um, we're going to vote the same way everybody else is. The Electoral College is not going to fear us in any way, shape, or form, you know, moving to, uh, yeah. But we're not because of our circumstances. But that would have been kind of cool. To But anyway, I, am, I, for one, am very excited. Oh, wait, oh, yeah. Uh, will you register to vote in Washington? Be your first priority upon return. Um, I, it will definitely be done. We are still registered. We vote in Texas currently uh, because that is our last address. We left Texas. So we voted in Texas. Uh, we still vote in referendums in Texas and stuff like that. But yeah, we will. Of course. Of course we will be. Although, again, I'd rather register in a battleground state where my, you know, because, you know, in the more populous states, you know, the whole way that the distribution of senators works and the, the way the electoral college works it's you know our vote doesn't count for much up in the pacific northwest as opposed to you know the great heartland of america but yes we will definitely be registering to vote and we will be voting i for one am very excited that you will be in the same time zone i look forward to doing some final thoughts oh it's Kat. yes i've actually done a couple of final thoughts with i'm sorry i didn't even look who this was hey kate yes all right. Have you listened to the five, the five by podcast? I have never heard of it. I've been recording some segments in the last six months. I should probably put it on my to listen list. Uh, the five by podcast, F I B E B Y podcast. Check it out because Kate is very sharp and she has good taste in games. I can confirm this from firsthand knowledge. Okay. Moving on to Dylan. All righty. Dylan has many humble requests. Honey pie review of the last Jedi. Oh my God, you don't even want to hear what I have to say about that. <laughs> I, am, I think it can best be summed up with, uh, you can go do these without me in the future. <laughs> now, okay, uh, spoiler alert, I loved it. And, uh, you know, as time has gone on, I've fallen more and more in love with it. I look forward to seeing it again and all that uh, with, you know, deleted scenes and all that. But I, I don't think that's going to be good enough for Dylan, honey pie. Oh. Now, I don't think... I don't think you give it a fair shake because we went and saw it in a theater that basically, you know how those theaters like to turn up the volume oh and gosh, just awful. blow the roof off the place? Yep. It was bad. It was so bad. I mean, I'm losing my hearing. And there were times you're like, oh, dude, that's too loud. I'm like, oh, you know, I was kind of <laughs> um, sonically assaulted by it occasionally. And it was a bit too overwhelming. Well, and I, I know for Jen, really good hearing. Jen has bat-like hearing. Um, you know, yeah, I, yeah I Jen's like a dolphin. I should have left. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for you it was physically painful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would, and that is not an exaggeration. That is, it was literally physically painful for Jen. The volume was up so stupidly loud. Mm -hmm. So you can't really judge it, I don't think. But are you saying, are you, are, are you, are you making a value judgment on the quality of the film, taking that out of the equation? Because you said, you don't want to hear what I think. And I, th I thought you were just going to say, I couldn't tell you because it was too loud. But that made that inferred that, or I inferred from that, that uh, no, you have something to say about uh, the directorial choices or the writing choices made in that film. Um, I know it was only a couple of months ago that we went and saw it. It was around Christmas, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I just remember walking out of the theater and just feeling like, man, that was a waste of my life. <laughs> I should not have spent a couple of hours doing that. But can you articulate why? 
I'm trying to remember it now. I'm, but you're, I'm but it, it, it wasn't just the volume. The volume was horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really, really bad. And I, I like I said, we never talked about it because I thought, oh, well, we'll, we'll just wait again. We'll see it this summer when it's available movie. to stream and all of that. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Um, we, what was the movie that we saw? The Thor movie. In the uh, Thor Ragnarok, yeah. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I, all my hopes and dreams and theories about going to the movie had all been rekindled and I was all excited. And then we went and saw Star Wars and I was like, oh, my God. Okay, mm-hmm. apparently one movie in a bazillion I'm going to enjoy mm-hmm. in the theater. So, um, I don't know. I guess I, I... No. I I would have to stop and think about the movie, think about the story, think about what I was disappointed in. I haven't given it any thought since Christmas. It's mm-hmm. two months ago. Yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. a lot of other things yeah, on yeah, my yeah. mind. I'm sorry, course, I don't have a no, lot of stuff to say. Uh, I think it's great. I think uh, the theater we watched it, it was too loud. But I think all the nitpicky stuff that people um, go on about... Are ridiculous. Like the purple hair. I've heard about that. People are like, why is your hair purple? Purple's yeah, well, that, that's that's demonstrably ridiculous. But uh, people complain about... Uh, I don't know if I should go into spoilers. I probably shouldn't. You know what? Tell you what, Dylan. Uh, right back again. You know, go to questions at Rado.com. After it's... I, I think it's coming out in a couple weeks, isn't it? Of course, we. I mean, maybe we'll watch it in when we're in England, uh, um, if, if if it's available for streaming at that point, and we'll watch it under more reasonable circumstances. Um, you know, because the other thing too. I mean, I know you know Jen came out of Ragnarok uh, rejuvenated because because that was just a fun. I mean, you know, Last Jedi is not a fun movie. It was a serious movie. It was a dark movie. It was dark in tone, and you know the events that happened. I mean, it was it's kind of a Star War, <laughs> as opposed to just a, a silly mm. madcap comedy adventure which is what Ragnarok was Mm -hmm. and I mean so obviously you were hoping for that and you didn't get that you got a very serious dour wow things are really dark this is really bad oh my gosh there's there's very little points of light in this universe yeah that's true um yeah, which which means Jen is just going to be uh, predisposed not to enjoy that anyway. But I, I, I mean, it is obviously the empire of this new trilogy. And for me, the interesting thing about it is, I like the movie so much. I think it, uh, what do you call it? Um, it, I can't think of the word. But I was so down on Force Awakens. I really did not like that in any way, shape, or form. But it has now. I retroactively have warmer feelings for that. Because of the events in Last Jedi, but like I said, I don't want to go into spoilers. I mean, I could do I could do a two hour thing um, rebutting every single, from my perspective, silly argument that is made uh, against the the you know the plot holes and whatnot of the film. They're all ridiculous. Someday, Matt, when I'm back in the states, uh, maybe I'll go on the Alaboom and uh, have a big three hour debate with Lance Meister about it because I think the, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really really good. Okay, Honey Pie. Yes. Oh, no. We, uh, no. Re- review uh, Man of High Castle. We haven't watched it. Um, it's on the list of things to watch. We've just never watched it. Large part because Jen looks at the, uh, you know, the, the, the splash art and reads the scripts. Oh, that sounds really dark. I, I think I'm going to have to watch it. It's the one where it's alternate history America where... Oh, where the Nazis? Yeah, the Germany won the war and all yeah. that. You know, and just like, I want to watch that. that I would like to... You know, experience, because I like the alternative reality things. Mm-hmm. It's just... But it looks very dark. So we haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Honey Pie, what's the best documentary ever? I love all of the Richard Attenborough stuff. Mm. Oh, okay. All David the... Attenborough. Yeah, the, the BBC. Yeah. yeah, okay. All of his documentaries are awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Um, that's tough. I mean, I've watched all the big ones. Uh, 
but you know, I mean, the best documentary. Are we talking about like Michael Moore documentaries? Oh yeah, sure, Michael Moore. Yeah, those are documentaries. I mean, uh, you know, sixty minutes does three documentaries a week, uh, basically just little mini documentaries. Mm -hmm. um, uh, literally, my gut response is um, inconvenient truth because. It was important. It started a conversation. It was really beautifully put together. I mean, it's it's uh, whatever it is, a 90-minute movie that's effectively a, a PowerPoint slide. It's a movie of a guy giving a PowerPoint presentation, and yet it's very beautifully shot and really compelling. And on top of that, I mean, I'll be honest, it made me aware of the situation and the problem. And um, yeah, and it, it is the biggest problem facing mankind today. Wealth inequality or man's inhumanity to man, all that stuff pales in Brexit, Trump, none of that stuff matters. Um, inconvenient truth is, well, I mean, it, it really opened my eyes. And yeah, so I, that's, the, that's what pops into my head. All right, Dylan. And circle back around in a while, Dylan, on that last Jedi. Or like I said, watch Alaboom. Maybe I'll deal with it there. If, if uh, um, Lance <laughs> will have me. All righty. If not, I've got, I, I've got like a 20-page treatise I wrote on a uh, private forum de defending it. And, um, but anyway... So, if anybody wants that, yeah, I've spent a lot of time Was that one of those studying that. days I came out and asked why you're cranky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because what I did is I down... I mean, for as soon as any movie comes out, uh, you don't have to be a pirate. You can just go download the subtitles. And then you've got a script of the whole movie. If you want to go back and write, what did that character say? What was actually happening in that scene? Just download the subtitles. And so I have thrown so many quotes of so many um, things from Admiral Holdo and everything else. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time arguing about that. Far too much time, a silly amount of time. But it was fun. And I'm right. All righty. Moving on. Daniel says, are you moving on with the idea of ever living in England again? Nope. Are you selling your house nope. there? I hope you will not. I'm not. As I will be uh, living on and off in Ireland with my wife and kids and always hope to see you at UK Game Expo. We'll be there this year. Um... <laughs> all right, that's all he asked. I mean, do you want to? I mean, there's not. I mean, yeah, so we're going to be in England. I mean, Honey Pie, what do you mean going back to England? We're going back to America. Yeah, we're going to be in England for a couple months. Yes, that's true. We're going to be in our... England for a couple months. But you're saying you're going to grow old and die in England. Oh, I don't know about that, but I am certainly going to live in England again. By hook or by crook? Yeah. All right. Let's see. In the spirit of positive thinking, despite the fact that these are not the most ideal circumstances to move back for, what are you most looking forward to back in the Pacific Northwest? All right, so we did a, in general, yeah. but what are you looking forward to in the, the, the pack in w oh. The Emerald City. Well, I am looking forward to being like... The Evergreen State. The Just. Cradle of Glassiness. Mm, yes. Because, obviously, Chihuly's... Well, you're, you're, you're near... Oh, yeah, Chihuly's there, yeah. Chihuly's big in the Seattle area. Bullseye is huge in Portland. Yeah, Bullseye is a maker of glass that is in Portland, Oregon. Yep. Most of Jen's glass comes. She has shipped all the way from Oregon to Malta. Yep. So... Well, usually it goes via England, and I buy yeah. it from a supplier there. But, um, yeah, so I'm just really looking forward to being sort of back in, in the arms of... My peeps, mm -hmm. as far as glass is concerned, and going off and doing a lot of glassy jollies. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, I'm, I think I've got one scheduled for the end of August. Mm. I think it is in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Mm -hmm. It's called Glassstock West, <laughs> which means you have to hit east at some point. Uh, no, I'll probably just stay west. Just stick west, yeah. yeah. Um, so stuff like that. I am really looking forward to just really kind of plugging back into the artistic scene because I feel like I've been 
out in the artistic boonies. We are literally living on a deserted island. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's uh, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the internet to keep yep. me company. But, um, yeah. Yep. All righty. Um, for me, Dick's Deluxe Rise in a Vanilla Shake, of course. That'll be awesome. Yep, yep, yep. Every day for a month when I get there. Oh, my gosh. Although, I know that would have to be a special occasion because it's too far to go because we're too far away. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, what else? Uh, Actually, uh, I, I miss trees. Trees would, would be very nice. They make me a jolly good fellow. I like trees. They help me unwind and sometimes make me feel mellow. And, yeah. Um, you know, I never had a problem with gray, drizzly skies. It has never bothered me. I don't know how you feel about leaving all this sunshine behind, yeah. all this vitamin C. I am concerned, to be mm -hmm. honest. Because mm -hmm. um, I can remember just thinking it's gray and drizzly for weeks at a time in Seattle. And it is. And it will be. So I might not, I might not do as well. We might have to get me one of those lamps. <laughs> <laughs> Keep me sane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jen's torchy with her lamp on top of her. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, that actually has been a concern. Even thinking about moving back to England after living in Malta. It, yeah. We've talked about, I don't know if we can go back, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, all you can do is go and see. In fact, we've never moved back to any place. Yep, we've always moved forward, never my, back. Yeah, my theory has always been you can never go back because it's never going to be the same. So it'll be interesting to see how it is to actually go back somewhere. I agree. Okie doke. Uh, in your experience of being an expat, I have been as well moving around with my wife. Is it stranger being an American living abroad in another culture or coming back to America having lived abroad looking at your own culture from a European experience? Mm, we'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> but what do you think? Well, no, but I mean, obviously, we, you go back every year, sometimes twice a year, and you spend weeks there. So, what is your experience being a cultured European oh. going back with the Philistines? God, people can look underneath the toilet stalls and see if your feet are there. Ah! ah oh, my, my gosh! Feet, my feet need privacy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a little weird. <laughs> I do like I do like having a full door on the on the toilet stall. Um, <laughs> So, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's such a pleasure to be on real streets and real highways, mm -hmm. you know, with proper sized lanes and um, not potholes and things. It's just, that is always such a pleasure. And I think it's one of those things that you easily get used to. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, going into a store at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night and they're open and they'll sell you stuff. Wow, mm -hmm. what a thought. I mean, even England, you can't buy things on a Sunday morning until I think it's 11 o'clock because of the Sunday trading laws. Yep. So you can be in the store physically at 10 o'clock, but they will not ring you up until 11 o'clock. So it sounds like your uh, European perspective of America is, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I can buy stuff anytime I want. I can go back to being a consumer in a consumer-driven if I want ice Society. Cream at 10 o'clock at night, I can go get some. So are you not looking down your nose at those Philistine Americans and their consumeristic ways? Or are you just looking forward to getting back into those ways yourself? Mm -hmm. We have been in, uh, we've had to plan ahead mm -hmm. for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably good. Um, yeah, I think I, I can remember going into Walmarts and, you know, big stores like that and just seeing just the mass of, action, of stuff that's available to buy and just feeling overwhelmed by it. And so I'm sure we'll have a bunch of that kind of a feeling as well. But oh, like everything else you get used to, 
Yes, today, as I was coming back from mailing some stuff, Jen texted me and said, stop at the store and get three containers of cream. I had to go to three different supermarkets, and I only came home with two containers of cream. And that's not at all uncommon. Yep, because, well, you know, the supp- they come twice a week and they supply the stores. Yep. And so if you, you're not quite in the, the right scheduling loop of that, <laughs> you get what's left over. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Richard, I know you said you are quieter in real life. So when you're off camera with Jen, do you shout things like, hooray, and oh no, <laughs> uh, and such as you do in your run-throughs all full of vigor? Well, Jen will have to answer that. It is interesting because now when we play games together, he he is essentially re- rehearsing for what he's going to say <laughs> when he does a run-through. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he do. How so? Well, the way you're explaining things to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because you'll you will do your iteration thing that you like to do, where, well, no, now this means that there's six of these, or you know, that we, there's a half a dozen of those, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm listening. <laughs> I I got it the first time, but his mother is a very very good at repeating things to make sure that you've heard what she's saying. So I think that's where he gets that. Yeah, no, it's my mom has definitely rubbed off on me in that I know I repeat myself much more than I need to, and I know for some viewers of the show, it's very frustrating. But I'm sorry, folks. I just can't help myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just in my nature. Yep. And it's good from a teaching standpoint to be able to reinforce what you've already said. So, um, And then, like, we, we just did a run-through together where, what was it, the um, ambulance one? Mm-hmm. Clear. Yeah, paramedics clear. Paramedics clear. Um, and so I found myself a lot more talkative during my turn. So, because we're, it's just kind of how we play now. We just play thinking out loud because I want him to know what I'm thinking when we're playing because I want to give my perspective so that he can um, properly pro- portray me <laughs> when he's playing me in the run-through. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just, we are a bit play-out-loud kind of people. I mm. just do it at a more reasonable volume. <laughs> and, and so when we have like David and Angela come over... And we're chatting away about what our whole our strategies are and everything. They're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Let's see here. Steve says. Oh, what the? Oh, Steve, I'm so sorry. I didn't see this. First of all, it turns out Steve is one of my Rado Runs Through backers, and he sent an email to questions at rado.com, and he is a director level. So he had a director request. Oh, my gosh. And he's requested Sanctuary Endangered Species, and I didn't see it until just now because it went directly into my questions at Rado folder. Oh, Steve, I'm sorry. This might take a little while. Shoot, I'm sorry I didn't see this. You asked for this a month ago. Oh, dear. Apologies, Steve. We'll have to get back to that. But anyway, in the meantime, you also had questions. In the future, Steve, email me directly with your direct request because I won't see these until 30 days. Anyway, um, you mentioned a possibility of a fire sale in the last podcast. Have you managed to work out which of your games would be in that yet? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, everybody. I'm about to choke on, I don't know what. <coughs> ah, that was loud. Can you mute? Um, no. Okay. No. But it's okay. Yes, I did. And in fact, sorry, Steve, it's already over. Um, <laughs> there's still a few games, but they're pretty much all gone. Uh, I've sold over uh, probably like 120 or 130 games. 
to uh, the fine folks of Malta. There are a few Europeans who are willing to spend 50 or 60 euros to get stuff sent to them, so a few big boxes have gone out. The University of Malta is going to be buying a big block of games at 5 euros a pop. Uh, yeah, everything's going. Everything's going cheap. And uh, yeah, there's only a handful left. And the rest of those are basically getting donated to a local startup board game store. And so yeah, they're all gone. Sorry, Steve, if that's what you're asking about. Oh, oh dear. If you'd asked on the guild, I would have made it clear. I only look at these questions at Rado things once every month. Sorry, Steve. Oh, I failed you twice now. Additionally, would the sale be open for those of us near Guildford? Or at the UK Games Expo, or UK only, thinking it wouldn't be worldwide. Oh, Steve! Steve, I'm so sorry. Actually, shipping to the UK from Malta is stupidly expensive. It, it almost costs as much to ship to the UK as it does to America. It's like just by a few bucks less. I don't know why. I mean, shipping to Portugal or France or Germany or Italy is so much cheaper than the UK. So I don't think you would have been happy with that. Uh, that said, we probably still will, because there, there are some games that I know we're not keeping, but that... Uh, I haven't played and filmed yet, so I can't get rid of them here. We are going to be in England for a couple of months. Jen has booked two months to frolic in the English bucolic countryside. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I will probably still be playing and filming some games during that time. And some of those games will likely be for sale at the UK Games Expo. I don't know what yet, but yeah. Uh, so watch for that. Well, also, I think we've got some games up in our attic. Yes, and we do have some games in our attic as well that will probably... I mean, it would be foolish to keep them in our attic, yeah. but we won't be sending very many of them to America. So, yeah, that, we'll probably have some for sale stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a, an auction geek clicks for UK Game Expo. Haven't looked into it yet. Maybe that already exists. I will have to investigate. Any plans once you've finished with all the moves from Malta to Guilford to Moms to Seattle? Are we going to invest in a gaming table? If yes... Which of the multitudinous variety of gaming tables would you be most likely to get if you have space? <clears throat> we do have space, but them's expensive. Yeah. Rado Runsu does not pay well enough to do that. And my mom has a very big wooden oak table. Uh, because that's another advantage of moving in with my mom and then having my mom move in with us is we get a lifetime worth of furniture for free. Hooray! Yeah. Although mom says her couch is absolutely horrible, so apparently we're going to have to get a new couch. But she's got tables and chairs. I mean, heck, she's got Beds. chairs. Uh, what? Beds. Beds. Uh, I, she's got chairs that I remember sitting in at Thanksgiving in my childhood uh, because they were my grandma's chairs. Now they're my mom's oh. chairs. I mean, Is that big oak table with your grandma's then? Must be because it's, it's grandma's house. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, I think that was the yeah. table that we had Thanksgiving dinner at when I was six and seven in the, in the 70s. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. So my mom's got a lot of furniture. So, no, I, I can't imagine that'll be the case. Some point in the future. But um, we got to make room for mom's stuff. All righty. Let's see here. Oh, my goodness. Steve, those are all... Those are your game-related questions. Well, those all seemed kind of personal anyway, so that worked for you anyway. But anyway, on to personal. Honey Pie, what will happen to the chickens? Ah. Okay, are you it's ready? Already, it already has happened. It has happened. On Saturday... Chicken apocalypse. <laughs> no, there was a chicken uh, location. Relocation. Yeah. Chicken exodus. <laughs> exactly. Chicken migration. Yep. Yes. Uh, we just moved all the, the kit over to my neighbors, and then we moved the chickens over to the neighbors. So... Um, they are now rehomed, rehoused, happily uh, scratching around in fresh dirt mm -hmm. um, across the wall. Yep. 
Yes, a few years ago, Jen got our only... So we live in a house that um, has... It's, or a building that is six apartments. And I think there's nine. There's nine? Yep. Okay, I don't know how many floors are in this building. But almost all the apartments are empty for most of the year. They're just summer rental lets. There's one other person, a single mom named Christiana, who is just the nicest lady, one of our favorite people in the world. Yeah. She lives across from us on the first floor. We don't really socialize with her that much because as a single mom, she's got two very... Young boys. Charming young men in her oh, life. Right. Um, and we just like, oh, it's just too much work being around these kids. Uh, it's, it's too bad because we really like Christiana a lot. But anyway, a few years ago, Jen got... Jen spread the chicken bug to Christiana. Yeah, she looked after our chickens when we were away when... What? A couple months in the yep. summer? Yep. And oh, when we, came, we went to Africa. Yeah, and when we came back, she wanted some advice. And she got her own chicken coop. And she has a very respectable, reasonable three chickens who live the good life over there. But now they've been crowded out by Jen's, what was it, 12? Yeah, I got They got 12. transferred over? Although, to be fair, two of those 12 were Christiana's, and they just didn't integrate with her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so they've come home. Yep. Come home to roost. Yep. Yes. So uh, they will live happy lives just on the other side of the brick wall. If you want to know more about that brick wall, go watch my run-through of the Game Anywhere table where we did a tour mm-hmm. of our backyard. Um, hers is the uh, yard just on the other side of the wall. <clears throat> I'm assuming your dogs will get passports and stuff they to have. come back. Um, but do you assume possibly wrongly that the chickens would not enjoy traveling by the, on plane? Oh, he just made a joke about chickens. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, the dogs, uh, they've always had pass, pa- pet passports. They are international travelers. Yep. Well, Daisy's Italian and yeah. Gertrude's yeah. English. Yep. And they both live in Malta. And, uh, yeah, we've got all their stuff worked out. It is ten times more expensive to fly them than it is to fly us. Mm. And the worst thing is flying them into England. Uh, it'd be, it, in a lot of ways, it would be much better just to fly directly to America. Yeah. Except Jen wouldn't want to do that because of transfers. And she, she wants them to stay in the belly of a plane for the shortest amount of time possible. Same when we flew over here with Dobby. So... We're going to spend those two weeks in England, but to fly, or two months, but to fly in or out of England with dogs Mm. is a nightmare of bureaucratic red tape. And, no, not, you know, actually, no, no red tape at all because no airline will work with you unless you use a third party agent who does all of it and just charges ridiculous highway robbery prices. And so we're not flying from Malta to England, we're flying from Malta to Amsterdam, whereupon we will get off. And the plane, because the the Dutch, they got no big hangups about flying with dogs. It's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Well, the rest of Europe. Yeah, yeah. And then we will get on a ferry and take the ferry in, which means we don't have to do any of the the odious dog transfer hardship agent fees. Yep. And there'll still be somebody on the other side in England going, let me see the passport. But it's just a quick, easy check. Yeah, so um, flying out, though, we are probably are going to have to use those bloodsuckers. And so it's going to be crazy expensive to get them back, but they're worth it. Right, uh, moving on. What will you miss most and second most about Malta? Ooh. Most will be this beautiful view. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gutted that I'm going to be staring at oh, the street. Anyhow. We do have a nice little garden in our house, so... They'll be that, but it's... You mean in Seattle, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking out at this absolutely gorgeous Mediterranean Sea. Yep. Um, so I guess part of that is my awesome daily walks with the dogs are going to be... Number two. Or no, are, are you combining? I that's all part of your one. I mean, just, That's yeah. just all the views the and how city, that yeah. Im- Im- improves our life. 
Yep. The general proximity to the sea. Yep. And the clean air and the beautiful... Oh, right. So. Yeah, and the sunshine and all that. Yep. So the, just, yeah, the overall ambiance of the environment we find ourselves in is amazeballs. Yep. I would agree. That's my number one as well. But he didn't ask for dish number one, Honey Pie. Steve wants to know, what will you miss second most? Uh, at the moment, I'm thinking the health care. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't argue that. That's, that, yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. Um, but we've also just recently started eating pastizis again. That's what I was going to say. Oh. I was waiting for you to say something. I was going to say, no, oh. I eat pastizis. Sorry. Pastizis. All right, so it's a tough tie. Tied for second place Ooh. is healthcare free government health care and pastizis. All righty. Yeah, and we've, we've been so good for like five years because they are delicious, but they are just, it's basically fat. <laughs> they are just greasy. Well, there's nothing wrong with the fat. It's the carbs. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness. Okay. Other than the lack of customer service, what will you miss least about Malta? Or what you'll be happiest to have out of your life the most? You already talked about it at yeah, great length. I think it's going to be the roads and yeah. the driving. Yeah. The crazy driving. It is, it is hugely unpleasant to drive in this country in every way, shape, or form. The roads are terrible, narrow, yeah. dangerous. The drivers are crazy and uh, don't follow the rules. Uh, there seems to be very little in the way of emissions controls. Oh, yeah. So you just get completely belched with black smoke everywhere you go. And you can see the results of that black smoke on every building in every town. Yeah. Uh, it just makes the whole country seem filthy uh, um, and loud. Oh, yeah. And just stupidly loud. Yep. They uh, actually put motorcycle or some sort of, I don't know what kind of motors there, but on, on bicycles. Yes. And yep. the kids, and they're not mufflered. Yep. And you just, you hear this horrible, loud, obnoxious motor yeah. on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yep. yep. So that I, kind of stuff. Uh, honey, you nailed it. Three for three. Yep. I agree every step of the way. I literally can't think of anything um, more. All righty. Let's see. Good question, Steve. Or no, it's not Steve. It's it's Steve, but with a U. That's weird. Anyway, let's move on to Nathan. Who says... Could Jen please share some investing advice? Perhaps a regular feature. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Boom. Uh, by low, sell high. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just have a bunch of companies that I like that I'm happy to own stock in. And I buy them when they're low and I sell them when they're high. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that our generation is, is, is the buy and hold forever. I think that was a lovely idea, but I like to take my profits. Mm-hmm. So, but I just keep buying the same companies because they do. They just go up and right. down and up and down and up and down. Yep. Yeah. Jen does not do any kind of research and looks for the hottest oh, stock no. or, oh, they just IPO'd. Let's get there on oh, day God, one. No. And, you no, know, no. And no. Jen knows nothing about Bitcoin. I, I know a little bit about Bitcoin, but mm. I'm running. I would never. <laughs> I just uh, no, no, no. I just uh, you know it's right. It's you a just you you, investment. you you have picked your companies that you are 100 percent certain will stay solvent, 
and you just focus on them and when they're at their yearly lows you buy as much as you can and when they're at their yearly highs you sell as much as you can and you just keep seesawing and that's it nothing more than that it couldn't be simpler and usually um they pay a dividend too so if it takes Mm. six or eight months for them to go from a low to a high i'm getting some dividends well i'm i'm third nathan say but which ones Oh. Are, are you not comfortable saying which ones you invest oh, in? Oh, I feel like if I give you investing advice and it goes wrong, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be responsible for that. But it's 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 like AT and T and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just. Yeah, I mean, they're huge companies. Yeah. They're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. like AT and T. Yeah, that kind of thing. What's one company that people wouldn't have heard of that you uh, that you uh, that you that you do this yo-yoing in? Just give them a taste. Oh, they, uh, there's some British ones I've been doing. They wouldn't have heard of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to do that. All right, then. There you oh, go. Okay, so we bought some Domino's. Um, okay. Um, Domino's pizza when it was low. Mm-hmm. I mean. Why? Because it was low. and people But how did you know it was low? Pizza. Oh, I, so how do I tell if they're low? I look at the 52-week, mm-hmm. you know, low and high. Yeah. And if it gets close to the 52-week low... And the PE is reasonable. I'd like to try and I'd love it if it's a PE of 15 or less. But um, generally, I just look at because P- things are um, like I said, up and down. Uh, where, where was I going? Oh, Domino's. Yeah, so Domino's was just really low. But just, how did you know it was really low? Because did you read some kind of alert on some website or something, or had you already been following Domino's? Actually, that particular one, I it was in the UK. So it was Domino's.l. Uh-huh. D-O-M dot L. Uh-huh. And there was a, uh, it's a list, because I don't know a lot about British companies. Uh-huh. And we do have some retirement money in, in the UK, so mm-hmm. I want to do, do well with that. So, yeah, I do subscribe to a, a guy who does just announcements of what companies are paying dividends, what, per, you know, what the percentage of um, the, the yield is and that sort of thing. And so Domino's did come up as a high-yield dividend-paying stock. And then when I went and looked at it, it was also happened to be towards its year low. Mm-hmm. And so I bought some, mm-hmm. and then it went up, mm-hmm. and I sold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we've never spoken to them again. Nope. That's it. But that is a sneak peek into Jen's investment philosophy. Yep. Uh, Nathan would like to add, he's been listening to Phil Ferguson's podcast, who mostly advises index funds. Oh, yes. Now, this is, uh, I think, a very wise, very, very wise decision. Um, if you're not going to pay attention, if you've got like kids and a life and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I think index funds are great. Mm-hmm. And if we ever, if we end up selling our house in Seattle, um, I would probably put the vast majority of the proceeds in an index fund. Okay. Because I think that's very, very safe, and you can get oh, three and a half, four percent in dividends off of an index fund, which is a very safe withdrawal rate, um, and you can live on that. So, I think if we if we end up selling our Seattle house in three or five or ten years or whatever. That's yep. what I'll do with it. All righty. It's good for diversification, too, um, to have an index fund rather than specific stocks. But we're so young still. I don't feel like, you know, we have time. Mm-hmm. By young, Jen means I am 49 and she is 48, yeah. if I recall correctly. So we're young, damn well, it. We're well below, say, <laughs> 65 or 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We cannot get to that egg for quite a while. All righty. Thanks, Nathan. Even 59 and a half. Yeah. We're quite a ways from that. On to Henrik. Uh-oh, honey pie. Henrik demands your monthly words of wisdom. Ooh. Your wisdom of the month. All right. Let me... Have you heard one recently? 
All right, well, Jen's going to look for that, and we'll move on. Give her, uh, so I gave her no warning whatsoever. No. All righty. Let's see. Moving on to Michael, who wonders, given the move interfering with uh, Rotto Runs Through Fundraiser, is there any other way to support your guys? Patreon? Well, you know, it's interesting. I had already been thinking before the move came up, as a, okay, it's time we have to do this. Because, you know, this was a very sudden change in our circumstances. Not 30 days before I announced this, we had also announced, I think, on this podcast, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, getting ready for our five-year multiplan. And we just paid a ton of money to get our car repaired and stuff yeah, like that. And now we're going to, oh, man. Yeah, so there's brand new tires on this thing, and we're selling it for a song to a friend. But we're happy she's getting it. Uh, but anyway... I had already been thinking uh, that 2018 was the year I was going to switch over to Patreon because I love the fact that you can just take a month off and push a button and say, oh, yeah, nobody gets charged this month because I'm not doing anything. Um, you know, and, and you just have that kind of freedom. Every year, I sign up for a year's funding on Kickstarter, and then I feel like I am literally trapped in a year-long cycle of filming. I have to produce... Uh, you know, a, a sizable amount of content. And the more money I make, the more I feel honor-bound to produce tons and tons of content. I mean, I'm not saying I'm beating Tom Vassell, but I think I'm like number two in terms of just pure volume. Uh, and in fact, actually, I would bet you money I beat Tom in actual minutes posted. I post every week, every month, more footage for you to watch than anybody else. It's absolutely insane. And, uh, but I do that because I feel like, man, everybody's been so great to me. I have to live up to that. And so I had been considering forcing myself to switch, but this was when we were like, oh, but we're going to live in Malta for five years and the cost of living is really low and maybe we should start acting like it. Um, and, uh, and switching over to a thing where, hey, you know what? If, if this is how much I'm making from uh, Patreon, there'll be this many run-throughs. And if we cross this hole, there'll be this many run-throughs. And it was going to be something like, oh, you know, and, and it'll mean, oh, there's four or five videos a month that I'd be maybe going from, like, I, I average, I think, four videos a month over the course, or a week over the course of a year. Uh, you know, if you include top tens and special events and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, one almost every day during the work week gets posted. And I was thinking of switching more to, hey, how about one a week? So there'd be 50, 50 to 60 videos a year instead of 200 plus. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, adjust funding goals off of Patreon and all that. But with this big fundamental change, I don't know. I, 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 you know we, we talked about a lot. We've been so worried about just the logistics of moving that I, we haven't spent much time talking about how are we going to continue funding Rado Runs Through? I still like Patreon, and I've been hesitant to do Patreon for years now because it just seemed I knew if I did, it would be a big, big drop. And this year I was saying I'm ready to take that drop. But now, because of our change in circumstance, I'm not ready to take that drop in income. But Patreon has become a much more readily acceptable form of supporting your favorite show. A couple years ago, it wasn't. It was kind of an outlier. And people were like, oh, I'm not going to sign up and do Patreon. And, you know, and people had the attitude of, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks for the year, but you know, two bucks a month? No, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. It's like $4 difference. It doesn't really matter. Um, but there's just like this psychological barrier. I think people are getting through that psychological barrier. And I mean, Patreon just, it just makes more sense. So 
I'm not sure if we're going to switch over to that or if we're just going to stick to the yearly fundraising drive, you know, borrowing from PBS that you know, is, has obviously worked. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're already breaking enough stuff this year, mm. um, particularly because another thing is we're going to be in England for two months. And Jen is going to have access to her big kiln for the longest period of time uh, in the last decade. Uh, or no, five half years, a decade. Five years. Yeah, uh, I said that. Uh -huh. And so Jen was thinking about, well, what could I make? Um, you know, as backer level rewards. And she had this very, very cool idea because there's such an influx of digital working their way into board games now, you know, using your iPhone, using your smartphone. And, you know, Jen had an idea for how to make these cool glass phone slash tablet holders that you could put on your table that, you know, would be custom handmade by her with all kinds of cool colors and, you know, and, and maybe the Rado logo on it that she could sandblast in and stuff like that. And she could make a bunch of those during those two months, and they would be a really great Kickstarter reward for people who want to back at a higher level. We have no idea uh, if there'd be much interest in that or not, though. I mean, they're, they're, it's not like they're just for playing games. They're just nice to have your phone on your, on your table so you can see it without having to hold it, stuff like that. So she was thinking about that. But if we did that, we would have to run our campaign in April, uh, wow. like we always do. And... So that Jen would have orders because she'd have to get these things made before we went to the States. But if we do that, then I'm right back to, well, first of all, that means I'm committing to trying to bang out a whole bunch of videos throughout May and June and July. And that's going to be murder. I've been killing myself for uh, the last... Eight and, and yeah. killing Paulo too, for that for the matter, and killing Jen. I've been killing a lot of people um, for the <laughs> last kid. eight to ten weeks, trying to get a big enough backlog of games filmed so that I can still have a regular, consistent Rado runs through release schedule when things slow down and we're on the road. You know, so like Jen said, I mean, we filmed Paramedic Clear the other day. I'm probably not going to put that video up for a while. It's going to sit in the queue because the voted ones will go up, and uh, but it'll, I'll have it so that, hey, I haven't put up a video for two or three days. Okay, time to put up the Paramedics Clear video. So we've just been filming a ton of stuff lately. And um, to have to continue with this breakneck pace to make up for that big gap we're going to have, because in June and July, we're going to be too busy moving, moving into mom's house, moving mom's house into our house, getting that house in Seattle fixed up, yeah. because we've been renting that thing for over two decades now. <laughs> and it's... It needs a lick of paint. It needs um, some <laughs> love and attention. So there's going to be so much stuff going on. I won't have time. But again, that's why Patreon is so beautiful. But Patreon doesn't really lend itself to physical rewards at all. And so there's a big question of, is Jen and Jen's Glass going to stay involved in the Rotto Runs Through? Um, you know, because we both just really enjoy that. It's a great way that our two professions can intermingle. So... It's tough. I don't know. It's <laughs> my very long... I mean, but this is the kind of stuff that is just... I mean, we're not even talking about this stuff right now because right now we're taking a break from just packing, which is really all our life is about these days. And, and playing and filming more games. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. Although we've mostly gotten through that um, hump now. Well, you said just yesterday you have 10 more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and I said, you can do them once we've packed. Uh, yeah, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how all that works out. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's see. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Where was this? Where was that question? Oops. Oh, no. Uh, who was even asking this? Oh, my gosh. Somehow I bumped away. Oh, yeah. No, that, that was Michael. So that was his personal question. Sorry, Michael. I don't have a clear answer. Um, I, I don't. Oh, your original question though was, 
Is there any other way to support our guys? You can go to jennifer.net, J-E-N-E-F-E-R.net, um, which will give you a link to her Etsy page. Um, Although life is a little crazy. Oh, no, actually, don't do that because right Jen now. is about to, if she hasn't already, put a link on her Etsy page saying, I'm sorry, I can no- for the next few months, I cannot do custom orders anymore because my life is on the road. Yeah. In fact, I mean, you're going to do a deadline, right? Well, I've, I've kind of already put it on there saying I'll, I can try, but um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. custom stuff, convo me. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. just don't know. I mean, my equipment's going to be on the road. Mm-hmm. As will you, et cetera, et cetera. And when we get to America, we'll have to deal with voltage trends, you know, because she has this European stuff that is on a different, you know, all kinds of craziness. So, yeah, hard to say. But, 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 Michael, thank you very much for the thought. We really do appreciate it. Andrew says, sorry if this is a repeat from the past, but I don't think I've heard the answer before. And I have to ask this of any Harry Potter fan. Harry, Harry, Harry. Harry Potter fan. Did I say Harry Potter fan? I think I did. <laughs> what is your favorite Harry Potter book and why? You have to answer this, honey. I know. You have read know. or listened on audio to every one of those books at least five times a piece. Yeah. Yeah, and for Jen, it's just it's comfort noise to have in the background yeah. instead of music it's when like she's a, working. Yeah, security blanket. Uh, who is your favorite audiobook reader? I like Jim Dale. More than... Um, um, uh, Stephen Fry? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, do you hear Gert is groaning yep. underneath the table? Yep. Um, Favorite book? Seven to choose from. I know. Not eight, like the movies. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say... Oh. I don't know, because I like different ones for different things. I mean, I like the character development in some, and I like the magical... Um, Exploration in others, and oh, I like the story in others. Should I get out a seven-sided die so you can roll? Yeah. Pick your favorite child. My favorite child. Well, it's like you're having to pick your. Oh favorite. right, right, right. Oh, do I have two? Um, yes. Andrew has demanded it. He's practically kicking down our door. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm just gonna go with the first one because it. It was the first one. Yep. I would literally say, I've only read each of them once. I read them... Actually, it's interesting. Uh, When we were still in Texas, there was a chance I was going to be the lead designer, creative director on a Harry Potter massively multiplayer online game at the time. Hey, Daisy! 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 No! Good girl. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I think it was for Sony Online Entertainment. They were potentially going to get their rights, and they were going to make an MMO that was going to compete with World of Warcraft, except it wasn't World of Warcraft at the time. I don't think that had come out yet. It was going to compete with EverQuest. or I, I forget the exact timing. And so, oh, I guess I better read these books then, huh? Because I'd kind of heard of them. And I think by that point, only the first three had come out. So, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to read these. You want to read them? And just, oh, yeah, I'll read them too. And um, so I've read all of them. I've read those, and then I've just read them as they came out. But Jen loves them. I, I like them, but I, you know, they didn't change my world or anything. But for me, the first or the second one, because I like the childish whimsy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and just like, you know, the eyes full. You know, Being introduced to this whole new world. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, obviously they kept introducing. She always was finding new ways to introduce. Oh, look, here's another new facet of this world. But, I mean, none of it can compare to the first ones. Um, so for that reason. Yeah. And they certainly do get darker as they go on. So. Honey pie, Andrew's yes. not done yet. Oh. What is your favorite Harry Potter movie? <laughs> and now you have eight to choose from. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I love them all. <laughs> Andrew demands an answer. I like 
Jen, Jen is literally, she has a pained expression on her face, Andrew. This is what you've done to her. <laughs> I, I'm not very good at ranking things. Mm -hmm. So I like them all. Okay. Easy answer three. Ask Ben. Did you just pull a number out of the air? Well, I, I hate to say it because it is, it's, the, it's often touted as the obvious one because it's the most artsy one. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the, it, it, it's the one... Uh, it's the one that uh, is less concerned with Potter lore and more concerned with being its own thing. And, uh, and then, of course, it's got the crazy time travel stuff at the end, which is always fun. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and it was just so brilliantly realized. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, the, it's the most beautiful, it's the most engaging um, film of, the, uh, of all of them. Um, right. So, you're welcome, Andrew, for... Hope you enjoyed that for the pain you just put Jen through. You're not even going to try. Come on, you have to. You just watched all of those, I think, when I was on a trip. Didn't you watch no, all seven no, of I them? No, no, I could have sworn you did. Well, I have in my lifetime. Yeah, no, but no, we, 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 you've watched them several times too, haven't you? I mean, you've, you've done like when I'm gone, I think you've done. When was the last time you were gone? I like don't know. three years ago when you went and saw your mom? Some, yeah, and that's when you did a okay, Harry well, Potter. Three years ago. Well, then, which one was your favorite? I didn't. I. I really like the last one. The final? Well, there you go. Why was that? Wasn't so hard. Yeah. Why the last one? Um, I just feel like it was people came into their own. Mm -hmm. the, the, all the various characters came into their own, and I think the acting was really good. I, I just enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Good answer. No, there are no wrong answers here. Okay. Theo says, I've lived in Japan for five years and then moved home to the States. I found the reverse culture shock to be more difficult than I had expected. Uh, for instance, I found large stores like Walmart and even standard grocery stores to be overwhelming. Mm. Honeypot. Well, I think we've already answered this, but what are you anticipating? Ha oh, no, I haven't. What are you anticipating having to grow accustomed to upon our move back to Seattle? Having to grow accustomed to. Um... In that you know, in that it, in that will be tricky. I mean, uh, yeah, you can say, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting accustomed to good customer service, but you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like, oh my god, I can't deal with this customer service. What will we not be able to deal with that you are looking forward to growing accustomed to? Well, you know, the bathroom door. <laughs> yeah, you, you you broached on that earlier. That's a good one. Um, um, or and yeah, not looking forward to. What are you anticipating having to grow accustomed to? I mean, the obvious one is the weather. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be a big big one for Jen. Like you talked about this, you're gonna need to get yeah. one of those lamps. Well, maybe. Um, I think we also talked about traffic the other day, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, Maltese driving is its own thing, but at least there's only so many people uh -huh. around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I was thinking, you know, if I get this kind of stressed with just driving with, you know, the forty thousand people on Gozo, mm -hmm. how am I gonna be with, you know? <laughs> Four million in mm. my general vicinity in the Seattle area, um, and yeah, and Seattle's got some of the worst traffic in America too, yeah. I believe. So I think I think probably that I think um, I also think I've become a European in my driving, in that I have to have five things on my list before I will get in the car to go do them. You know, <laughs> I, I don't just hop in the car and go get milk. Mm -hmm. I would not do that, and I don't think I will do that in um, in Seattle either. I think probably I will still. There's grocery stores within walking distance. I'll probably. Do a big shop at Costco for stuff that we need in mm -hmm. bulk, and then do weekly shops for other things. All right. And also, actually, we had talked a, a couple podcasts ago about, um, like in America, you can get grass-fed beef, and you can get, you know, dog food, barf, 
kind of dog food yeah, for yeah. your dogs and stuff like that. So I'm sure that we will do some research into that because one of the nice things about being in uh, over here is that the the food is just a lot healthier. There's not the high yeah. fructose corn syrup and everything and the partially hydrogenated oils and stuff. So um, we will mm. I'll, I'll have to be doing some yeah, yeah, looking yeah. around at how to make sure we continue to eat well because I don't want to I don't want to start putting that kind of junk in my body. Good answer. Okay. All right. I'm sure Theo is pleased. Then we move on to Steve, who says, do you have a date for your move to England? At what point uh, your content will be put on hold? The date when my content will be put on hold. Well, like I was just saying, my intent is that that won't happen. Um, that's why I've been, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, I've, I've already, there's, um, I've already started giving publishers our address in uh, England telling them, do not send it today because it will be soaked uh, by the time we get there. I'm sitting out on the soup for two weeks. But yeah, I mean, there's already four or five games that are getting sent my way um, that should be arriving shortly after we get there. Uh, and, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, I, I've, I've got a backlog of games so that I will just be, I mean, I should by rights, oh, I filmed, I should just go and make them all live right now. Although to be fair, I can't because... Some of them are on deadline. Well, no, I was going to say because Paulo hasn't noted most of them. Oh. Uh, because, so Paulo's uh, yeah. the holdup. Well, yeah, yeah, it's all Paulo's fault. <laughs> if it weren't for Paulo, I would give you 50 run-throughs today, folks. Not 50, but there's, there's a bunch of them. So my intent is that from your perspective, it won't really matter. The bigger question is what I was talking about before is, is there going to be, am I, you know, if I was going to make that Patreon shift, I was going to try and downgrade. But, you know, in all honesty, I mean, there's a lot of considerations that, you know, I mean, Paulo is a consideration too. Paulo is a paid employee. Um, you know, I don't keep that a secret. It's every year. I mean, I, I make that clear on the Kickstarter page. If I slow down, that means he slows down and he makes less money. And I take that seriously. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's not just me and Jen. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. All righty. Uh, right. So, I, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question, Steve. I don't, I don't really know. My intent is that you shouldn't see a downturn. Given your opinion of the Trump administration, and what would that be, will you be joining any protest movements when you go back to the States, or will you just grin and bear it? Wow. That's a good, I have not even given any thought to that whatsoever. I have not either. I know you were like really keen when, you're, when you saw on Facebook that your parents were going to marches and stuff like that down in Arizona and yeah. all that. I mean, I think I would, I might go to a march. Mm-hmm. Um, a Me just, Too march or... Yeah, yeah. Or especially one about women's rights. Mm -hmm. I would definitely be wanting to support that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm, interesting. I don't know. And Seattle has great public transport, so um, then I won't have to drive. <laughs> the traffic. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's another thing about being European. I am so much more likely to take a train anywhere <laughs> or a bus than to drive. I was thinking we didn't even need to get a car, but with your mom and stuff, we do need to have a car. Yeah. I was tempted not to buy a car when we went back to the States. Yeah, my husband's an American. He's got to have a car. Yeah, I mean, oh, you have to have a car, too. You know you do. It's not like we're moving to New York or something. If, if we were moving back east, you can live your life. Seattle. We could, we could do one of those ride car share things where you just rent it for a couple of hours, do your Costco run, and... Give it back. Well, park it. All right, if you want to try that, I mean, that'll be a big savings. We, I'm sure that there must be something. Wow. Look what you've done, Steve. You've ruined me. Well, also, we also thought that we would just use your mom's car 
for the first bit, but she just reported it needs brakes. And oh my God, uh, yeah, that thing is so on its last so legs. I think, yeah. So we were just thinking we'd have to buy a car when we got there, but actually now maybe we just do a ride ride share thing. What about Dexter Lux? We can rent what? a car. Or we can we can the um the rail link would take us straight downtown Seattle, and then we walk up to Queen Anne, and we get awesome dicks. I think this is another answer to the earlier question of what are we getting reacclimated to. That might be. That <laughs> might very well be it. What's the point of having all those wide roads if you're not going to drive them? Ah. Ah, that's very interesting. Wow, folks. As you can see, things are in flux at the moment. Mm. All righty, you were there. <laughs> when um, Jen I'm gonna have to do some drank some crazy that. sauce. Yeah, I'll probably research that from England, actually. We've got enough things to think about right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you envisage a time when you will move back to Europe, or do you think you are destined to end your days in the land of the free and the home of the brave? Well, I think we're going to end up back in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think we will. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for nothing else than the healthcare, mm-hmm. Because that is such a, a wild card. Yeah. That, yep. That is, that's huge. Yep, that's rolling dice every day. And those odds will catch up with you eventually. Yep. Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, I mean, contrary to what Michael Moore might lead you to believe, uh, believe um, you know, government-sponsored healthcare is not the greatest thing in the world. No. We just, uh, you know, Jen's had a little gastro thing lately, and it was kind of getting her a little stressed out. And so we... I mean, I, I, I might have said lately, I mean for a couple of months. Yeah. Because, you know, Jen's been trying to get somebody to see her about this for a couple of months. And having yeah, to go through referral after referral. And eventually, we're okay, we've got the thing for the, G, the GP. We're going. And I went with her. And it's a good thing I did because we sat waiting for three hours. And she forgot to bring her phone. Yes. So that would have been a long, painful three hours. But I never leave my home without my phone. And so I just listened to podcasts while she read books on my phone for three hours on a really uncomfortable bench. Oh, yeah. And now, to be fair, when we got in, she was a crackerjack doctor. Yeah, that And we doctor. were really impressed by her. Yep. But, you know, I mean, there are downsides to, um, you know, Social yeah, socialized medicine. I mean, we've never had anything like that happen to us in all our years in America. I mean, I still remember the first time in England when I had food poisoning. Um, and, and when we called the hospital and they said, oh, just tough it up. Yeah, you'll be fine. It'll pass. Um, when I'd had years ago, when, remember, remember that? And, and they just said, no, don't bother coming in. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, no. In Bend, when, when I had food poisoning, like, oh, get him in, and yeah. you know, get him on fluids, and he needs 50 cc stat, and all of that yeah, stuff. They put you in a hospital, get yeah. him with your butt hanging. Yeah, yeah. For, and I was there overnight, and they, they took it really seriously um, because it was a profit motive driven thing. They wanted me to come in, and they wanted to treat me, and all that. Yeah, and you but got over here, through your work, so yeah, yeah, because yeah, I had really good insurance through mm-hmm. Sony. But over here, it's like. Yeah, why don't you just uh, grin and bear it? It'll be fine. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but on the flip side, well, you get what you pay for. And we're not paying. And yeah, it was painful to sit for those three hours, but, you know, that's instead of paying, you know, five or six hundred bucks a month, we paid in time. Um, and we got in and we got really good service. Uh, it's just we had to go through, you had to go through these hoops, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah, if, if you want everything fast, we could get private insurance here and it would be really good. Yep. But and I'm sure that part of their um, modus operandi is give it, you know, make them go through all these hoops. So a couple months passes, and probably the the thing will heal itself. <laughs> yeah. You know, so by the time. Well, because yeah, ninety percent of all ailments are you mental know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to say mental, but. But yeah, and ninety percent is an exaggeration as well. But you, but you, you get the idea. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry. What was the question? Yeah. What oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, we will 
Will we end our days in a country of socialized medicine? I think we probably will. Yeah, and because we can, because we are British citizens. Yep. We may not be citizens of Europe for much longer. Mm. Come on, Corbyn, you can do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah that's, it's like the case. And Honey Pie, that was it, except for your final words of wisdom. Oh, shoot, I've just closed my computer. She just shut her computer down. Mm. So now I'm going to have to vamp. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss by, a kiss by wire. Okay. Baby, my heart's on fire. Okay. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you win. You going to finish? No, I, 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 was, oh. I was ushered off stage. <laughs> With a cane that pulled you off by the neck? Oh, baby, come on and tell me I'm your own. <laughs> okay, here's my... I, this struck me, and probably because of what we're doing right now, but there is nothing in nature that blooms all year long. So don't expect yourself to do so either. Okay. In other words, it's okay to have some downtime. All right. That is good good advice for Jen. Yep. Okay, folks, that was it. Another one in the bag. We will be back again next month. We will be recording in Old Blighty, jolly old England, the big smoke. Is it it called the big smoke? No, that's London specifically. Yeah, was it the big smoke? No, I think it was the big smoke. I mean, it was the, the big smog thing, but I think they called it the big smoke. We'll have to look up. We'll have to get back to you on that next <laughs> month. Uh, we'll be uh, recording from our old where, where Rado Run Through got started. If you go watch those early videos, it was on our kitchen table overlooking the Riverway. We will be um, uh, back. And if you have more questions, as always, questions at rado.com. And otherwise, hope you have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye. Bye.